Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Saturday night for the next four hours here. Plenty of stuff to get into. We'll get to the Sixers a little later on. Um, Everything that went down last night uh, against the Brooklyn Nets. Entertaining game. A good game throughout. I mean, the Sixers, it's so frustrating. Where they they essentially led the entire way. Like, I... I, I can't remember the Nets having a lead before, like, the final minute or two of that game. Um, but can't hang on. A lot of familiar issues late in the game. Even without Ben Simmons, still a lot of problems that this team has. And, and um, we'll get into that a little later. And whether this is going to be a recurring issue with this team. Some questionable decisions by Doc Rivers. Um, which I, I saw Kyle Newbeck tweet out tonight uh, that... In that final two-minute report, both calls were incorrectly made uh, by the officiating crew. I didn't have a huge problem with him not challenging the Danny Green block charge call. I personally thought that was a block, uh, but uh, according to the NBA, it was the wrong call. Should have been charged. The other one were clearly went out of bounds off the net, so I don't know why the Sixers wouldn't have challenged that. Um, but frustrating loss. They're now 1-1. One and one. They're back at it in Oklahoma City on Sunday night. Um, we don't know if Joel Embiid will play yet. Joel Embiid dealing with some uh, knee issues, obviously, um, after that one last night. So we will talk a little Sixers later on and get into the latest regarding Ben Simmons because it is challenging to talk about in certain ways. Um, And as far as Ben Simmons and the latest report, that he is not mentally ready to return to action. Uh, And we'll get into that a little later on in the show. Um, We'll talk about some college football stuff. As John mentioned during the crossover, Penn State, and and I I didn't see this game, so I'm going to have to look up exactly the game log. They played a nine-overtime game in which 20 points won the game. I don't know how exactly that happens, uh, but we'll, we'll dive into that a little later as well. Um, so yeah, I don't, I'll, I'll get your explanation on that a little bit here, Moshe. I, 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 I'm assuming you saw that. So you I didn't, you, but I saw the explanation for why it was so low scoring. We'll get to that later. Sounds good. Uh, we will, we will indeed, uh, get to the Penn state Illinois game. Um, and how, you know, mathematically, I don't understand how that could work, but apparently it did. Uh, so we'll get to that later on, but I did want to start tonight with the Eagles cause they are back on the field Sunday after 10 days off. And, It feels like the Eagles have been off for a long time. Like, that Tampa Bay game, um, you know, does not feel like it was only a week and a half ago. So much has happened since then. We've obviously had a lot going on in this city with the Ben Simmons saga, Sixers starting. Um, It feels like a while since the Eagles have taken the field. 
but they will be back out there tomorrow afternoon in Las Vegas to play against the Raiders. And with this break, I think it has put things in a little bit of perspective when you look at this team. As we have discussed largely, this season isn't really about what the Eagles can accomplish this year and how far they would go this season. Like, we know what largely this team is. Like, I think we kind of know that this isn't what you would refer to as a tank year, but it's also not a year where, you know, you're looking at the tangible results this season and basing this as a successful year, an unsuccessful year, based on how far this team goes in the playoffs. At least I'm not. Like, I viewed this season much more through the lens of what do you find out about your coach, what do you find out about your quarterback, and how can you project moving forward and what kind of growth you see from the guys at those two critical positions. And that's the big picture, but it also doesn't mean that what you can possibly accomplish this year is completely irrelevant because it's not. And things clearly with this team seem to not be going well, especially from a coaching standpoint. We've talked about that a great deal, how overmatched Nick Sirianni has appeared to look the last few weeks, how overmatched Jonathan Gannon has appeared to look recently in some of the games the Eagles have played. Um, And... This year is certainly not off to the kind of start that Eagles fans would have liked to see. But from a win-loss standpoint, like I think it's important to remember where we were at the beginning of the year. And when we looked at this season, to start off, if you had said, you know, through six games, the Eagles will be 2-4, and four, I don't think anybody would have, you know, thought that was a bad outcome, considering the schedule that you had, considering you're playing the Bucks, you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, you're playing a team like the Niners, who was expected to be very good, the Cowboys, who have all the firepower that they have, two and four would have been a pretty acceptable result. And when you look at where we are right now, it's not a terrible result. And seasons do have ups and downs. And obviously, we react to every moment as fans, and, and especially with this team, Um, we react and at times overreact. And I don't necessarily think we've overreacted in this instance, but it's important to keep in perspective what this team is, where they are, and what they could potentially accomplish moving forward. And I don't know how good this team is. I personally don't have an extremely high opinion of them, mainly because of the coaching issues that we've seen. And... Nick Sirianni just not inspiring a ton of confidence as far as being a guy who can make adjustments on the fly and get the most out of his players, but this season is not over by any stretch. And when you look at the schedule remaining and you look at the extra wild card team, it is not impossible. Even with, you know, the way this season has got underway and even though a lot of the, the talk has been negative, it is not impossible that the Eagles could be in the mix late in the year for a playoff spot, especially if they win this football game. 
And it is the critical importance of winning this game on Sunday to keep the season alive. And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. But, like, when you look at the schedule, this team is going to luck into six or seven wins. Like, when you look at what they have remaining, they just are. This is probably the third most difficult game the Eagles have remaining on their schedule behind, what, Dallas at home, the Chargers at home. This is probably, like, the third most challenging game you have left. I mean, maybe Denver on the road, even though Denver's not a very good team. It would really just be playing on the road in that atmosphere that would make that a challenge for this team. But this is probably the third most difficult game remaining on their schedule, and it's it's not unwinnable. John and I just talking to him in the crossover. I don't really understand why the line's two and a half. I expected the Raiders to be closer to like a touchdown favorite. But that tells you that the odds makers, who are pretty damn good at this, think the Eagles have a legitimate chance to win this football game. And if they can win this game, which, as I said, Vegas seems to think they have a chance to do so, they can and will likely be 4-4 four and four after going to Detroit next week. And, you know, it, it, I think it is important to remember, as much as we have complained, as much and, and rightfully so, and as much as we have criticized this team, and rightfully so, this season is far from over. And that's kind of where I want to start tonight. Can the Eagles win this game on Sunday? Can they beat the Raiders? Because if they beat the Raiders on Sunday afternoon, the entire scope of this season looks differently as far as I see it. The entire way you can project what this team could become and what they could accomplish changes dramatically if they can find a way to win this football game. And I want to know, do you still have hope for this Eagle season? You know, not just beyond, not just finding out about Hurts, finding out about Sirianni. But do you still think this team could make a run for the postseason. You look back at last year, the Chicago Bears made the playoffs. The Bears were bad last year. That was a bad football team. But with this extra wild card team in the mix, it has really changed the way we evaluate and I think changes the mathematics of all of this. And as much as you know, the last couple weeks have been ugly, and a lot of this season to this point, has been ugly and not what you would want as an Eagles fan. When you look at how things project moving forward, it's not as dire uh, as it seems. And this is a big game on Sunday. This is legitimately a big game for this team. And if they find a way to win, they have a legit chance to make the playoffs. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Let's get it started on the phones with James in the Northeast. What's up, James? Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? First of all, I, I totally agree with you. And I'm not that positive a person to say that. So um, what, I, what I'm getting at, what I think the Eagles have to do offensively, the first two games of the year, and I'm not talking about the other games, even when they were up or down, it didn't matter. When they broke the huddle quicker their offense is better. Now, I'm not talking about just the games when they were down 20 and they hurry up. When you look at the first two games, when their offense comes out, I think Hurts 
could play better with a quicker pace. I, I agree, James. And and I've seen the same thing, and I don't understand why the Eagles haven't done that more. And when we look at where Nick Sirianni needs to adjust and where the Eagles coaching staff needs to make necessary corrections, we talked a lot about running the ball and, and things of that nature, but I agree. I think using kind of more of an up-tempo pace – uh, is something that that could benefit and get Jalen Hurts into a rhythm and and uh, get, have this offense succeed a little more. Yeah, and and like I said, the first thing I think you're 100 percent right because basically, um, the the Eagles they're young and whatever happens in these last games of the year will be a tell telltaling thing as far as where they're going next year. I, I really believe that because, like you said, the the hardest part of the schedule is really gone. Oh yeah, I mean, so when, when if you... they can't improve now, then next year doesn't look too bright. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, and this team could look a lot different next year, James. I mean, they could have a different quarterback next year. Things could look dramatically, dramatically different than they do now. But, but I agree with you as far as what you can build off of because these first six games uh, were brutal schedule wise. And to get out of them with two wins is honestly not all that bad of a, of an outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, the last thing, like I first said, I'm not a positive person, believe me, mm-hmm. but I totally agree. Well, I with pre- you, and I'm glad that you said that. Well, I appreciate it, James. And thank, thank you, you. Thank you for the call. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I have that reputation as not being the most positive either, but um you know, I, I do think it is important to remember where we were and remember the schedule this team has faced. And again, I'm not defending Nick Sirianni or the Eagles or telling you they're better than than we have, uh, you know, appraised them to be and think they can be. But when you do look at the schedule, like I, I've heard a, a lot of the sentiment has been, oh, this season's over. Who really even cares what happens? You know, you look at how Javelin Hurts plays – but it doesn't matter if this team if this team wins games or not, and I just don't believe that to be true. I think when you look at the schedule left, you look at the extra wild card team playoffs is absolutely not out of the question. And if the Eagles can win this game, um, that possibility rises uh, dramatically because this is uh, one of the more difficult games they have left, and the odds makers think that, seem to think they have a real shot to win it. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two. Nine four nine four. When we get back, we will look at, you know, Nick Sirianni because all eyes are going to be squarely focused on him tomorrow. I also see Matt in Delaware wants to talk about what happened with Penn State on Saturday. So we'll do that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio ninety four WIP. Sports Radio ninety four WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you until two a.m. on this Saturday night. If you want to get in, open lines right now two one five five nine two. 9494 is how you join the show. Starting off talking about the Eagles with Eagles Raiders coming up Sunday afternoon. As John had mentioned during his show, not a ton of buzz surrounding this game and surrounding this team. And I, obviously a lot has to do with, you know, the Ben Simmons and Sixers situation hijacking the week here. Um, and, you know, I think maybe Nick Sirianni, um, thankful for all of that drama because it's kind of taken a little of the load off of his back this week. Um but this is a big game for the Eagles and big in terms of what they can accomplish this season because I'm down on this team. Like, I I have been disappointed 
certainly the last few weeks with the coaching and the situations that Nick Sirianni is putting Jalen Hurts into here because I, I don't think it's it's helping him in any sense. However, when you look at the big picture, this season is very far from lost, and this season is one that can easily be recovered, uh, and it would start on Sunday. If the Eagles can win this game, get the 3-4, and four, you go to Detroit next week, they are one of the worst teams in football and, and seem to be getting worse by the week. Um, really an opportunity for the Eagles. Get to 4-4 four and four and get this season back on track, and a big game uh, for them upcoming on Sunday. And I want to know whether you still have playoff hopes for this team um, and whether you think they can win this game against the Raiders, because I do. I I, I will give my prediction uh, in a little bit here, but um, I do think this is a winnable game for the Eagles on Sunday. So we've been discussing that, and I see Matt wants to talk about it. So we'll get to this uh, game in a minute here. But this is like a a math conundrum where I didn't get the chance to watch a lot of college football on Saturday. Yet I look at this Penn State score, and I thought it was a, a joke. Like, I, I thought this was, um, you know, I saw the jokes on Twitter first off about the game and how bad the offense was. Um, but then I saw nine overtimes. Penn State loses 20-18. to 18. Now, yeah, I don't want to rub it in the Penn State people's faces. I mean, I you could have listened to me two weeks ago when I told you this team was a fraud. And I told you James Franklin's a crappy coach. And I, I don't understand this for the life of me. Like, LSU's job has a job opening now. Ed Orgeron's going to step down at the end of the year. Why do teams continue to want James Franklin? Like, I don't understand. He has not done a good job at Penn State. His teams lose games they shouldn't lose all the time. I mean, the excuse a couple weeks ago and they lost to Iowa, oh, the quarterback got hurt. Okay, well, what's your excuse this time? You lost to Illinois, who I forgot Illinois was even still in the Big Ten. They lose to Illinois 20-18 to in nine overtimes. How do you play nine overtimes? Where in college football, you started the other team's 25. How do you play nine overtimes and score eight points? They had 10 points at the end of regulation. In nine drives from the opposing team's 25-yard line, Penn State scored eight total points. What happened, Mosh? Did you see this? I did not see it, okay. but the new rule in college football for this season is after the third overtime, each team basically just gets a shot at a two-point conversion. Oh, so it's like the it's like the football equivalent. And, and uh, Matt from Delaware will expand on this because he he was he was watching the game. I didn't he know. He says this. it's like the football equivalent of a, a hockey or soccer shootout, basically. Like, why can't uh, I, I would get if it was like okay, no more field goals in the third overtime, but like you're just so so you're not even driving anymore. Just two point conversions against each other. Yeah, I makes- guess it's just one play for each team, and it's worth two points. Right. Hence the weird twenty to eighteen final. Okay. Well, that makes a little bit more sense. Um, but it's still a pathetic loss for Penn State, and they're still oh, a pathetic program. I'm yeah. thrilled. Yeah, it's embarrassing. So, any of you Penn State people who told me I was an idiot and a hater a few weeks ago, I would love to hear from you. I'm assuming I won't. Um, because, uh, you know, Penn State people don't really like to admit when their team is trash, which which they are. Um, but a terrible loss for Penn State. Nine overtimes, and they could not beat Illinois. Just pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. Uh, let's go to Matt in Delaware. Let's talk about that game. What's up, Matt? 
Hey, not too much. And I have a quick, I, I want quickly after this talk about the Eagles. Sure. Um, but uh, what's called, yeah, so I was watching the game. I, I didn't actually watch it until like it was like three minutes left in the fourth quarter. I was watching the Kansas game, hoping that the uh, Kansas-Oklahoma game, hoping that Oklahoma would lose, but oh, well, they didn't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah, so they both split field goals. And then, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's just like, it's like, uh, like, soccer when they have to you you got the extra you have to kick a free kick and hopefully it gets in or not and they both kept missing and missing and missing and then like the seventh overtime they both actually hit their two-point conversions and then the ninth Penn State missed and then Illinois hit theirs but I, I, I will say this, it's not the best way, I think, to end a football game, but it was kind of exciting and interesting to watch. Yeah, it seems like it would be exciting and entertaining, Matt, no doubt about it. I just, like, I, that to me, that's not football. Like, going back no, to point conversions, I agree. you know, it's just not football. And, like, I don't have a huge problem with, like, shootouts in the NHL because over an 82-game season, like, okay, you can't be playing these long games. That's why I don't hate the runner on second rule because you know you're playing forever but football you have so few games these are so important you can't have like a gimmick like that deciding like like legitimate games that matter yeah i mean it definitely is a gimmick but i i'll be honest with you it was exciting to watch and i was actually 10 minutes late to work because i was like i'm staying watching this i was like i don't care (laughs) well hopefully you didn't get in trouble matt no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm fine. That's good. Well, what do you got on the Eagles, man? On the Eagles, I was, I completely agree with you. I think this is a game that if they, if they can find out a way to win it, we can see – I think they'll – like you'll actually beat a team that is, like, playoff worthy, and and you will actually see maybe if they actually have a shot with the rest of the season because, I mean, if they lose this game and they beat the Lions and beat, like, the – Giants and the Redskins a couple games and then lose the rest of their games and end up seven and nine or or, or seven and ten or eight and nine. I mean, and beat a bunch of crappy teams. I mean, we're not going to know anything about them. So right. I would like. To, I mean, I'd like to see what they can do in this game. I think they have a shot. I still don't think they're going to win though. Yeah, no, I, I hear you, Matt, and, and and I appreciate the call, man. Thanks a lot. And yeah, I mean, when you look at this schedule, like. Honestly, I think eight and nine can get you in the playoffs. I really do. And like this season to me, it's not make or break getting the postseason, but you'd obviously like to see that see that happen. And you want to see a season that still matters and it can still matter. And, you know, the Eagles are getting potentially a big break here as Darren Waller, who is the Raiders, I mean, the guy is up there with the best tight ends in football. Like when you talk about Jason or Jason Kelsey, when you talk about Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and those kind of guys, like Darren Waller is in that conversation. He's now questionable for this game. If Darren Waller doesn't play, that's that's a huge deal. And, um, you know, the Raiders seemed to change last week. Obviously, with John Gruden being out, they opened up the offense, Joseph Passaccia taking over, and they really, um, you know, opened things up. Uh, and I'd expect them to try to attack the Eagles, but – uh, you know, they don't run the ball effectively. Darren Waller could be out, and this seems like the kind of like the kind of matchup that the Eagles could have some success in, and, and I do think they have a chance to, to win this game. Let's go to Pete in Bethlehem. What's up, Pete? 
Hi, yeah, hi. Um, I've been listening to WIP almost all day for a little while now, and there seems to be an over an overflowing sentiment that not just with the Eagles and the 76ers and the Flyers and, and the Phillies, that these sports teams are losing a sense of identity, team identity. And it, it's more like Ben Simmons is playing for Ben Simmons. And when the, the Phillies were playing, you know, uh, Hoskins is playing for Hoskins and Harper's playing for Harper and the Eagles are playing for the Eagles for the highlight reels. There's no sense of team identity. I, I'm wondering how, how the, can that be fixed? And then I'm thinking back to when I was a kid, even, so, even I hate to mention it, it's Dallas. Even, even Dallas, when, when, when Landry was in, in charge and the team would, would break huddle and approach the, the line of scrimmage, they all went set at the same time. And that scared the hell out of everybody. Because they had a sense of team identity, and they showed it. And I'm wondering if that's part of the problem right now. Yeah, I don't know if I'm seeing necessarily the same thing from the Eagles, Pete. I do agree with the Sixers. And, you know, in the NBA in general, I do think there's a lot more, you know, it's much more about players now than it is teams. And obviously the Ben Simmons thing. I mean, that that is not uh, a situation where he seems to be uh, a part of, of what's going on. And I can see why that would, would bother you. Um, because I do think it is is something, especially in the NBA, where it's much more about players than it is teams. So, yeah, I, oh, I, no, I, I was just, yeah. I was just wondering, you know, is is that really? I mean, am, am I seeing something here, or am I am I missing it? Well, I, I I don't know if you're missing anything, and I appreciate the call, Pete. Thanks. I just like I don't know. I don't see that with the Eagles necessarily, um, but in the NBA, absolutely, it's it's a more of a league that's about players than it is about teams. Yeah, but I, it's definitely not with the Eagles. I don't think that – maybe it's the case with certain Phillies, but it wasn't – as a whole, the team was playing well and, and, you know, represented the city. Bryce Harper's embraced the city. And um, with the Sixers, I mean, look, Danny Green is playing for Danny Green. He's not a, he's not a Philadelphia guy, but Joel Embiid is all about this city. I mean, he was saying before the game last night how – he was in, in, in New Orleans. He was like, man, I can't imagine playing in a place like this. I'm so lucky to be in a city like Philadelphia. So it's a case-by-case basis. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, but as you look at this game on Sunday, it really is squarely on Nick Sirianni, and that's where all eyes are going to be fake, focused. Because, yeah, obviously Jalen Hurts, we're going to be watching him closely. He needs to play better. But after the last two weeks, this is on Nick Sirianni. And I am very interested to see how he adjusts and what this team looks like on Sunday. Because this is like his first real big head coaching test, in my opinion. Because the last couple weeks, it's been ugly offensively. Putting your offense in bad positions, putting your young quarterback in, in positions that aren't working to his advantage. But this is a real chance for him to adjust and change to help his players. And it's something that, that he has not done a good job of so far this year, really in any sense. And as we find out more about Nick Sirianni as a coach, this is going to be a very big day to see 
whether he does have the chops to be an NFL head coach, because obviously there's a lot of concern right now, and I'm concerned. I mean, I'm, I, I think if things don't improve, there's a legit possibility that this guy could be one and done. Not that the Eagles would want to go that route, but they might not have a choice. I mean, if your offense consistently is struggling and you're not making any any strides or any adjustments, you'd have to question the long-term approach and the ability for him to be a head coach in this league. And now you have 10 days. You've gotten essentially a mini-buy. This is going to be very interesting to me to see whether this offense does look different. Because the last two weeks have been pretty ugly. And to me, it all starts with Jalen Hurts. And it all starts with putting him in situations to succeed. And Nick Sirianni just has not done nearly a good enough job of that over the first few weeks. And here is Sirianni uh, speaking earlier this week uh, about making Jalen Hurts comfortable. Um, and what you're doing, right? And, and so we're talking about the drop back pass game. We're talking about the play action game. We're talking about the screen game. Like We just got to do things that... And that's that's your evaluation after six weeks. What are we doing well? What are we not doing well? Do the things more. And because, you know, when he's feeling comfortable with that, it, you know, so at first I'm putting it on me. It comes down to play calling of, of giving, putting him in positions where he feels comfortable with the play. And Nick Sirianni hasn't done a good enough job of that. You know, they, he hasn't put Jalen Hurts in comfortable situations. And that's where running the ball more. And I hate to be that guy because I hate that typical analysis that you just got to run the ball more but it really is true like you got to take heat off your quarterback and the way you do that is to you know run the ball kind of make that rush think twice about their responsibilities so they can't just tee off and you're not putting your quarterback in a situation to succeed the way you have been so far and some of the comments Nick Sirianni's making too are concerning and here was Sirianni after last week's game talking about you know, the uh, unscripted plays and how, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, so much of their offense is built around Jalen Hurts and how he can improvise. That's what we're, we're talking about with we want to be able to make some plays in the, in the pocket. And, and, and there's a couple, there's, there's too many of those. That's we're trying to get it down from whatever percentage it is. We wanted to get into that 35, 40% area of, of, you know, unscripted plays. I, I'm definitely thinking tonight we were higher than that and, and that's got to change. And that, that, I would hope, is like an answer that Nick Sirianni has gone back and reevaluated, Because, like, if you want your offense basically to be ideally 35% of Jalen Hurts imp- improvising, like, that's not putting your quarterback in situations to succeed. Jalen Hurts is not the kind of player, certainly at this point in his career, where he can put the offense on his back, and you can just say, okay, Jalen, you just run around and do something. That's not putting him in a good spot. That's not putting him in a position for success. You can't ask your young quarterback to do everything. You must help him. And that's what I'm looking for on Sunday. Will Nick Sirianni do a better job of assisting his young quarterback and putting him in situations to succeed? Will the extra prep time be something that plays to his advantage. Because if it doesn't, like, if, if the Eagles have had all this time to self-scout and reevaluate and do all this stuff, and it looks similar, that would make me even more concerned 
about Nick Sirianni moving forward. Do you think Nick Sirianni will adjust, and do you think this offense will look more competent and you know do things that make more sense uh, coming up this week? Uh, I would love to 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 know your thoughts on that. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, Andy in Oxford, Chris and Redding, see both you guys there. We'll get you after the break. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. A little later on, we'll do a full NFL Week 7 preview. I got to say, I don't think it's the best slate of games on Sunday, to be honest with you. Not a lot of... uh, not a lot of great matchups, some really big lines. Um, not a lot I love from a, a betting perspective either. Um, but we'll get into that uh, a little later on um, with everything happening around the NFL going into Sunday. But talk about the Eagles and whether this is a game that you believe they can win. And, and as bad as it's been, as bad as it seemed, if the Eagles win this game, this season's really back on track. And they could be 4-4 four and four, uh, with a trip to Detroit looming next week and could really change the calculus on the season. And I think while there has been a lot of criticism and rightfully so, um, this isn't a situation where the season is over. I mean, I, even though the Dallas Cowboys are very good, you don't need to win the division. Like you look at the, the wild card situation, there is going to be opportunity if the Eagles uh, can get some of these wins in some of these games that are, they're not typically supposed to, because uh, the schedule really lightens up as the years goes on, and, and uh, not a lot of difficult games left. Uh, the Eagles m- might not be able to capitalize on it. Uh, time will tell, but uh, they have an opportunity, and uh, obviously a big opportunity to win a game on Sunday against the Vegas team that could be down one of their top offensive weapons in it, Darren Waller. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Our buddy Andy in Oxford. What's up, Andy? Hey, how you doing, buddy? Good, how you doing, man? Good. I was at the Penn State game today. Oh, you were, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how how long me, how long did that game actually take Andy start to finish? Like, I sat in that seat for a little over four hours. Wow. And what was frustrating is because I don't, have you been to a Penn State game? I've been. I went to one Penn State game. Yeah, uh, back in like '07, I went to a Penn Penn State Ohio well, State game. Student section is at one end of the uh, one end zone. And we were sitting, oh, 30 rows off, off the uh, field. And um, my son and I, and uh, during those um, uh, overtimes, they kept switching back and forth from one end of the field to the other. They brought two plays at one end, two, two series at one end, and two series at the other. They kept going back and forth and back and forth. And, timeouts left and right and every time every time it went to a new overtime the team each team got a fresh timeout and they were using them and it just dragged and dragged and dragged and i can't figure out has college football said we're not having ties anymore i I don't know yeah college football they never had ties in college football as far as i can remember but this new idea of just like doing two point conversions and not running drives in overtimes—I did not know of that rule until until uh, just shortly well, ago. A, a, apparently, it's brand new this year. My son was telling me. Okay. Um, 
I don't. Uh, I'm not a, particularly a big hockey shootout fan. I don't really watch soccer, so I don't know about that. But right. um, I, I don't care for the shootout in hockey. I think I just I'd rather see a tie than you know a freak occurrence in a shootout myself. At at and, some point, did you think about just getting up and leaving, Andy? Was it that I, boring? I, I, like, but it's my it was my first Penn State game. I'm 60. Oh. I've been a fan since I was 18, and um, and then I was there with my son, and there's no way he was leaving. And um, so, and let me tell you, at at halftime it was 47 degrees with wind and drizzle. And it was freaking, we were freezing our you-know-what's off. Hmm. And it was not a pleasant situation to be in, sitting in your seat for four hours. Four hours is too long for any sporting event to take, uh, you know. Yeah. It's just it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, if, I, if I could chime in on one of your previous callers, talked about everybody playing for themselves. I don't think Reese Hoskins plays for himself, and I don't think Bryce Harper plays for himself. I think those guys want to win, and and I know there's other guys on the team that are glad to be there and want to. So I can't agree on I, – I, I don't think that's a good blanket statement. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I hear you, Andy, and I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. And, yeah, I, I you know, I, I get the caller's point. I just didn't think – um, in in terms of those those teams that I think there is an identity, and I do think they they have that kind of team identity. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, let's go to Chris and Redding. What's up, Chris? Hey, Tom. How's it going tonight? Not bad. How are you? Pretty good, thanks. I just wanted to give a quick comment. Um, I, I've been listening for a while, and uh, a lot of people, even friends and family, seem to be really really down on on Jalen Hurts, and you know, saying he needs to be better and stuff, and. Um, I definitely agree. I think he, there's been a lot of mistakes made, but I don't think he's terrible. You know, I don't think he's a, a superstar, but I don't think he's terrible either. Um, I, I think, you know, with a young coach, Sirianni's not doing a great job. Um, I often wonder uh, if they if they keep him as a coach, which I, I think is a little unlikely, but if they do, do you bring in a new offensive coordinator, or, or I think they've had, like, special coordinators come in before, to kind of run offenses and stuff. And uh, I guess my, my other point would be is uh, what you've been talking about tonight is I definitely think they have a shot to win. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think they could win for sure, Tom. Yeah, yeah, I, I, Chris, I do. I, like, I I think this this Raider team is talented, but they're not unbeatable. And, and your point on Hurts, I, I, I agree. Like, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is capable of being a franchise quarterback. And the Eagles don't know. The Eagles didn't draft him for that. They drafted him to be a cost-effective backup, obviously because of what happened with Carson Wentz. He's kind of been thrust into this role. But I see potential with Jalen Hurts. Um, But what's frustrating to me is, like, with what Nick Sirianni is doing so far, I don't think it's given us a real good opportunity to truly evaluate him. And that's something that's got to change because, you know, that should be what this season is really about, is figuring out what you have. And right now it's a – it's been difficult to assess because he's being placed in, in what I think to be really poor situations. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's been times where he's hit uh, his has hit Watkins deep. I mean, so it's not like he he lacks, uh, I guess, the skill set. I, I think it, it could be scheme and stuff like that. 
Um, and I have, I have a really funny thing to tell you. I think you'll get a kick out of this. Okay. So um, I, I, uh, I work at a, a private country club, and uh, be careful what I say, but by all means, um, the general manager of the Raiders is, is actually uh, a member of our club. And over the summer, another member actually brought Jalen Hurts, and they were both there together. I, I got to say a little to both of them. Um, it was kind of interesting, and then I'm going to watch the game tomorrow, and uh, it should be kind of a weird concept to watch that, you know. But they were chatting it up for a while. It was kind of funny, actually. Yeah, so, yeah. Mayock you know. seems like seems like a decent enough guy. I guess he's, he's a great dude. He's, yeah. a, he's a really great dude. So um, uh, invited us to a game, but uh, I, I work like most people, so I've been in a while. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you, Chris. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for the call. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. And, Man, that, that Chris brings that up going to going to games and stuff. I had had been in the process with my friends of planning a trip to Vegas for this game. Um, ended up not happening. Um, and man, I'm seeing the videos from Vegas right now from like Eagles fans and John Clark just tweeted out a video of a bunch of Eagles fans in Vegas, and it's making me feel bad about about not being able to go. But you know, other commitments. Um, Obviously, I can't can't leave you guys uh, without me here. Uh, but uh, yeah, it looks like people are having a great time out there in Vegas this weekend, and I would expect it to be a pretty large Eagles contingent. Like I, I think th- it's going to be one of those games where you can hear how many Eagles fans are there at the game. Like you're gonna, I, I think it will be, if not majority Eagles fans, certainly certainly split um, and. Uh, should be a fun one to watch on Sunday, and who knows? Maybe that could give the team a little bit of an extra lift moving forward here. 215-592-9494. we talking about the Eagles. Can they win this game against the Raiders on Sunday? Really big one to kind of get this season back on track. And we will get to the Sixers when we return. I, I see Tony, Dave, uh, Julian, and Eric all want to talk about the Sixers. So we'll get to that when we return. Uh, talk about what happened against Brooklyn last night, and we will delve in to the latest dealing with Ben Simmons. Um, and where do we go from here uh, with this saga that's taken uh, a billion twists and turns over the last few months? 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. With you until 2 a.m. tonight. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, obviously, talking a lot about the Eagles so far tonight as they take on the Raiders tomorrow. First time in 10 days uh, that the Eagles will be on the field. So, talking about that game um, and whether this is one the Eagles can win. Only two and a half point underdogs, which I'm surprised. I thought it would be a bigger line than that, but it's a beatable team. I mean, the Raiders obviously have been dealing with a lot internally with the old John Gruden situation and how they're moving forward, but a winnable game for the Eagles and one that they need, um, you know, and can really benefit them. Like if they win this game, the hopes for this season and potentially going to the playoffs really uh, once again become uh, a legitimate possibility. So discussing that and also wanted to start getting into the Sixers as they lose to the Nets last night, a frustrating loss. I mean, a game that they led pretty much the entire way. And then at the end of the fourth quarter, just horrendous, horrendous offensively. Um, 
and it's the same thing we've been we've been saying for years. They they Ben Simmons or not, they don't have a legitimate perimeter scorer to pair with Joel Embiid. And until they can acquire that kind of player, whether it's through a trade for Ben Simmons or not, uh, you know, they're going to continue to deal with these kind of issues. Like you can't just have Joel Embiid carry you every single night and do everything down the stretch every single night. Like we know what Tobias Harris is. Tobias Harris is just not good enough. Like he's he's just a, a decent player. He's not a guy who you can rely on down the stretch when you need Tobias Harris to be your top perimeter option. It's just not going to it's just not going to work out well. And you know, he was good last year and I think at that point we hoped that you get to the playoffs and maybe Tobias Harris could step into that role, but he's just not that kind of reliable perimeter scorer that you can count on down the stretch of games when you need him. Um, you know, you need that guy who can compliment your own bead. I thought Doc Rivers did a really poor job, and Doc Rivers is is a, a, a worry for me. I mean, certainly when you look at the playoffs last year, the lack of adjustments – Last night, not coming up with anything to jumpstart the offense down the stretch. Should have challenged, certainly, the out-of-bounds play. You can question the Danny Green foul as well. Uh, didn't do that. Uh, both calls, which the NBA said today, uh, were wrong and, and should have gone the other way in the Sixers' favor. Um, and, you know, it's difficult to watch, and it's also why... Daryl Morey needs to keep playing the Ben Simmons situation out the way he's playing it. Like, you need to get that perimeter play. Now, I don't know if you're going to be able to get that through a ben, ben, ben Simmons trade or not. But at this point, you are not getting anything that's getting you closer to a championship. You're just not by trading Ben Simmons. You have one chance to get this trade right. And for all the assets that the Sixers have have not taken advantage of over the years. This is one they, they need to find a way to, to, to get the most out of it. Like, and I don't know if in a couple of months you're going to get more out of Ben Simmons and if you're going to get value for him down the line. What I do know is you're not getting anything of value for him right now. And you're not getting anything that you need right now. So sticking, you know, sticking with this plan of waiting it out, riding it out. It's the right call. It's the right way to go about it. It might not be, you know, obviously um, the best thing for everybody involved. Obviously, Sixers want to move on. Obviously, Ben Simmons wants to move on. And I think the fans want this situation to come to a a, a close. Um, but you need to find a way to get that player. And if Ben Simmons could help you get that player down the line, you can't sell now when you know you're not getting anywhere closer to a championship by moving on. So uh, frustrating last night um, with the Sixers. Uh, but your thoughts, and and do you see it the same way I do? Like, they're just not a legitimate contender, and they won't be until they get a perimeter scorer who they can count on to trust with Joel Embiid and candle the ball down the stretch. Right now, you just don't have that. 215-592-9494. Let's go to our buddy Tony in Mount Airy. What's up, Tony? Hey, what's up, TK? How you doing, man? I'm all right. What's up, man? Everything is okay. I wanted to ask you, um, is there any way possible 
that the Sixers could trade Simmons for like Porzingis to do a three-way deal. You get Porzingis, uh, you can get um, Buddy Hill from Sacramento, and a couple first-round picks from each team and possibly pick swaps. Would you do that? Well, how would you, you know, who, who's getting Ben Simmons and, and, and what's the other team getting? Like, Well, here here's the thing. You might even have to put in Tobias, but I don't know if you can trade two max contracts. Well, who's but who's getting who here, Tony? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe Dallas is getting um, Ben Simmons uh, for the Porzingis swap, and or maybe um, Sacramento gets um, Simmons, and they give us like Halliburton, which I don't think they're going to do. Uh, some type of three-way deal between Dallas, Sacramento, and the Sixers. Buddy Hill has to be in the trade, and I want Kristaps Porzingis, even though he gets hurt a lot. Maybe Dallas could pay a portion of his salary. Yeah, but but Tony, again, like okay, say Sacramento is getting Ben Simmons. What what is what is Dallas getting? I don't know what they want. Maybe they can get Tobias Harris, or maybe maybe the Sixers can put in Tobias and maybe Thibault. But they're going to have to sweeten the deal with a Thibault or something. Yeah, I don't want Maxi going. So you might have to include Thibault. Yeah, I don't know, T- Tony. I'm honestly not a big fan of Porzingis. Like, I don't, I don't think he's he's uh, all that good uh, at this point. Um, he just gets hurt too much. Yeah, I, even when he's out there, I just don't. I don't know. I, I'm not a huge Porzingis fan. I I, I think you, you're probably just going to have to hold on to Ben Simmons and see what happens down the line. I don't really think right why, now it deals. Why didn't he do the Malcolm Brogdon deal? I don't understand that. Yeah, they they. They, I guess, thought they could get more uh, than Malcolm Brogdon, and, and time will tell. I mean, that could Yeah, that's up... going to come back to haunt them because could they be. tried to get him before, and I think they couldn't get him. So it's like, okay, what's the loss of interest now? And one thing I want to say, TK, is that that Ben Simmons situation, that was not a jersey hanging out of his pocket. It was a phone. I don't know what people are looking at. That is a cell phone hanging out of his pocket. Yeah, it, it, it was a cell phone in his pocket, and I appreciate Yeah, that wasn't no jersey. Yeah. And I appreciate. I mean, no I, problem. Yeah, I appreciate it, Tony. Thanks. And and yeah, I think there. I don't. I don't even know what was going on there. Where the uh, jersey they said may have been a phone wrapped in a jersey. I don't know. I mean, this whole situation is just crazy. And we'll get more into the Ben Simmons part of it uh, coming up here in the next hour, um, because you know I I don't like the latest turn here. I, I don't like what is happening right now. With the Sixers and Ben Simmons, and it's 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 you know it, it, it's frustrating on a lot of different levels, and, and we'll 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 get into that a little deeper here coming up. Let's go to Dave in Frankfurt. What's up, Dave? Hey, what's going on? How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, so my question is: Is there any way that the Sixers can suspend Ben Simmons indefinitely for conduct detrimental to the team without pay? Um, I think that's something that they would like to do, Dave, and I think that's probably the way they were going to go about it. But now, obviously, Ben Simmons uh, making the mental health claims complicates things, and this is going to you know Dude, take time. To, that's a joke, by well, the way. Well, this is going to take time to work out. Now, I don't know if he's going to be evaluated. I don't know exactly how they are going to re- respond here, how the Sixers are responding, how the league's going to respond. But I would certainly understand why why people would have questions about that. Well, let me paint this picture, and you can tell me if this is uh, realistic or not. So you, you, you got to give this dude, you know, you got to you got to figuratively speaking, you got to spank this dude and spank him hard. You you suspend him 
without paying indefinitely for con for, for conduct detrimental to the team. And if he tries to, you know, I guess ease his way or weasel his way back in, you have to set terms. You have to make him, you know, do a press conference where he's, you know, where he apologizes to the fans, his teammates, and the organization. And if he, you know, steps out of line again, you you put him back on suspension indefinitely, and uh, and you do that until you get a good deal for him. And you just have to do it like that. You really have to play hard nosed ball with him because it's like he's really, he's acting like he, his behavior and 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 the whole thing with him using his mental health thing. He's he's making a mockery out of mental health awareness. It, it, this dude, like, it's just it's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like this. I don't know. Tell me if that's, if that's realistic or not, how realistic that is. Yeah, no, I hear you, Dave, and, and I appreciate the call, and I, I want to get into that right now because, you know, this is the latest in terms of Ben Simmons where we all knew he wasn't going to play Friday night. We all knew that wasn't going to be something that was that was going to work out. And, and by the way, I mean, there wasn't a lot of anti-Ben Simmons sentiment last night at the game. I was there. I didn't hear any chants or anything like that. And – the latest after, you know, this week of, of chaos where he gets kicked out of practice, suspended for Wednesday night. So Ben Simmons attends shoot around Friday morning, the day after Daryl Morey pretty much digs his heels in and says, you know, Ben Simmons isn't going anywhere right now unless we get a, a, a really good offer for him. And I think that's the right way to go. And that's the way Daryl Morey should be operating. But the latest reports that Ben Simmons spoke with spoke to the team, spoke with Doc Rivers, and is saying he's not mentally ready to return. And Joel Embiid uh, mentioned that last night in his address to the crowd pregame. What's up, guys? It's good to have you back. On behalf of my teammates, the organization, and myself, I just want to say thank you for your support. Uh, you know, all these years and. And then now, and uh, you know, a lot has happened the last few months, and I urge you guys to continue to support us and our teammate Ben, because he's still our brother. Let's go! So, Joel Embiid, a very magnanimous, I think, uh, you know, leadership-like statement before the game, uh, encouraging people to support Ben Simmons as he deals with what he is calling uh, mental health issues. Here was Tobias Harris after the game uh, talking about that same topic. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to look at something on the surface and come to your assumptions on a lot of things, and especially athletes, um, you know, in general in this space, you're depicted as superhumans and not really supposed to have feelings or go through anything. So I think we just uh, have to really, really understand that he's human first. And, um, you know, if he's going through something at time, we have to respect that. And we have to uh, be there for him as a team, organization, fans, all the way down the line. Um, because when he's in here putting on a show and helping us get wins, um, everybody's cheering and praising. But when something, you know, we live in a what have you done for me lately type world. And when that's not the case, you know, it's easy to, to um, turn it around. So I think at this time, and he needs more support than neglect. And um, I think we just got to be there for him as a team. I relay that to the group. And I hope that message is loud and clear to uh, our fans and everybody around the organization. 
and obviously you guys as well as media you know you guys have a job as well and uh, I understand the field that you're in but you guys gotta understand that we're talking about a person as well that has a family uh, has emotions uh, you know he's a he's a great person as well so we gotta really respect that and um, you know just don't do everything for the click for the clicks for the clickbait you know understand that we're, we're a team Philadelphia 76ers you guys media we are a team we win games it helps your job make your job easier so I think we got to look at that as a collective effort as well Thank you. So, first off, you know, uh, Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris, I think showing leadership, uh, whether that's how they really feel or not, um, showing leadership in, in supporting Ben Simmons. Now, I obviously hope that Ben Simmons isn't dealing with a serious mental health issue. We know there are stuff last year that went on with his family. Obviously, the playoff um, meltdown. Uh, certainly a lot of things have gone on that can't be easy to take. But I really, really hope that he's being genuine about this because it would be in such poor taste and so disrespectful. And I think, you know, would really be mocking people with serious mental health issues if Ben Simmons isn't being genuine here. And, like, I'm not here to judge... What Ben, I don't know what's going on inside Ben Simmons' head. None of us does. And I don't even really, I don't really even have a lot of interest, uh, you know, getting into the debate, like if Ben Simmons is faking this or not. Like, I don't think that's, that's a productive conversation or a conversation that I really want to delve into all that much. But I understand why people will be skeptical. Like, I, I, and this is, the situation that Ben Simmons has put himself in here is with his behavior this offseason. I get why people would be skeptical because the way I look at this, the way I can understand it and see Ben Simmons' objectives and goals this offseason were that he's had two goals. Number one, get traded however he can. And he's tried every, you know, so many different reasons for why he needs to get traded from can't play with Joel Embiid. And beating Doc Rivers' comments, um, wasn't given an opportunity to develop here because the team was too good. Whatever kind of reasons he is given, they've all fallen flat. You know, they've all fallen flat. And if he can't get traded, his next goal would be to not play for the Sixers and make his money. And that is where Ben Simmons' goals have seemed to be lying at this point. Now, I don't I'm not going to tell you he's he's lying about this. I don't know what's going on with Ben Simmons. But with all the things that he has thrown out there, for it to get to this point and we know his goal is to get paid without playing, I understand why people would be skeptical. And I understand why people would think this is just Ben Simmons with his latest you know, excuse with his latest ploy to try to get paid without going on the floor for the Sixers. And if that is what this is, it would be just dirty, honestly, like despicable, quite frankly, to go that route 
because it's mocking people with actual issues. And maybe there's something going on. I don't know why, you know, Ben would not have been upfront about this earlier. I know this stuff can be difficult to talk about, but people would be much more understanding. People would have been much more understanding of, of, of him. Like last night, I was down at the game. There wasn't this anti-Ben Simmons sentiment down there. There weren't, you know, bleep Ben Simmons chants or Simmons sucks or anything like that. Because people can be compassionate. Like, this city that that so much of the media seems to think is so horrible, and Ben Simmons himself has basically said, um, or, or leaked out, that part of the reason he doesn't want to play here is because he really doesn't have any uh, affinity for playing in front of, of this fan base. This fan base can be understanding and has been in the past. Fan base been understanding of Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson, people who have really dealt with these issues. And with all the reasons that have been given, this, you know, among, the thought process amongst many is that this is just the latest one. Now, I don't doubt that Ben Simmons is insecure. I think we know that. I don't doubt that he lacks confidence. We know that. But that is different from, you know, struggling with mental health. And again, I don't want to get into a, you know, is he lying? Is he being genuine? But I really hope he's being genuine. You know, because just from a a distaste standpoint, this would be pretty sickening. Because, like, there are people that are dealing with legitimate issues out there, people that struggle every day with mental health problems, and... If this is just his latest ploy to get his money because there is a clause in the CBA um, that, you know, says a player can't be suspended without pay uh, for dealing with mental health issues. If it turns out that is the case, it would be it would be utterly disgraceful. It it really would. And, uh, you know, I just hope Ben Simmons is being genuine. His teammates, at least, you know, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid seem to be echoing that they believe he is. being genuine, I mean, Joel Embiid, I think, understands that, you know, him coming out and fighting with Ben isn't isn't productive as far as a trade is concerned. Um, but I hope he's being genuine because if he's not, it would it would be disgraceful. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, give me your thoughts on how you believe Sixers should proceed with Ben Simmons. Should they look to trade uh, sooner rather than later or should they hold off? I still think Daryl Morey's doing the right thing. I, I think if you're not getting value now, you can't afford to mess this trade up. And, you know, I don't know if, if, if the prospects of getting a legit difference maker for him are going to improve, but that's what this team needs. This team doesn't need role players. You know, if they if they get a few role players to come in for Ben Simmons, that's not getting them anywhere. Uh, so I think holding out is the right option at this point. 215-592-9494. Also, Eagles Raiders, get back into that. Eric, Eddie, Steve, get all you guys after the break. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Talking a lot of Eagles so far and the Ben Simmons situation. And, you know, uh, the mental health discussion is always a complicated one. and, And obviously, nobody knows what's going on inside somebody else's head. And I, again, like, don't want to speculate as to the validity of these claims that Ben Simmons is making. But, I mean, you get why people are skeptical. Like, when you don't say anything and you act the way he has acted this offseason, and now 
you know, to 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 say this and in you know give this reason at this point when it seems like he's exhausted all his other options in terms of forcing a trade, in terms of getting paid not to play, that's going to come with you know scrutiny and um you know i just i keep coming back to the same point that i just hope he's being genuine because if he's not i mean he's he's even worse than we all thought like seriously this is not something you mess around with this is not something that you make a mockery of and uh we'll see if we get you know any kind of final um determination on it and who knows maybe ben simmons gets help and he comes back and plays and and things work out um but you know he has certainly not put himself in a position to get the benefit of the doubt right now i'll say that and um that is is his fault that's his fault more than anybody else he has not put himself in a situation uh to get the benefit of the doubt because of the way he's acted um which has been very unprofessionally and hasn't been a good teammate uh to to the guys that he works with and and um, we'll see how it all plays out from here, but just hope he's being genuine because if he's not, it would be a pretty big disgrace. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Let's go to Eric in at South Philly. What's up, Eric? Hey, how you doing, TK? How's it going, man? Yeah, um, just a couple points by the Sixers, and I want to get on to the Eagles. Sure. Um, for the Sixers, um, get Kyrie. Uh, I would do that trade right now in the heartbeat. I don't care if he's here and retires after a year. Um, I just want to see what we could do with him. He's exactly what I think we need right now, just a closer. Um, and I, I feel as though Embiid deserves some criticism, uh, especially so far, especially that game. Um, first of all, he got outscored by Lamarcus. Like, come on now. Like, really? And I'm so sick and tired. As a big man, your go-to move should not be a one-dribble step back. You know, um, go, go at him. Go to the right. Like, no, no one's as big as you, bro. Just go to the rack. You know, I'm sick of seeing the one dribble step back. He gets it every once in a while. But when, you know, game, like the end of, end of game situation, more time than not, it, it doesn't go in. Yeah, no, and, I, I hear you, Eric. And I know it is, you know, can be frustrating at times. But at the same time, like, the guy needs some help. And he gets very little, especially at the end of games. And it seems like at the end of games, their whole offense is just, okay, Joel's got to got to figure something out here. And and you need uh, an offense that, 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 that makes more sense than that. Okay. Um, my point about that is I, I, I was out on Doc Rivers from last playoff against the Wizards when he did the whole group substitution thing. Mm-hmm. That's when I'm like, okay, yeah, we're not going on with this guy. Because that, that doesn't that, – it doesn't make no sense. Um and as far as end of game situation, we scored one point in five minutes. Like, how is that possible? No, like, it, one point in five minutes. It's terrible, and that's why you Eric. Know? And I know the NBA is a league; it's about players. But like, you got to do more as a coach to to jumpstart your offense. Like, you got to figure something out. Plays that are, that, that are right there in front of you. Challenge to play. Right. What do you got to lose? I I don't you get know? it. I don't get it. It's not I, like, I really don't get it. No, and, and especially like I I. I honestly didn't have a problem with him not challenging the Danny Green one. I thought that was a block, but the out of bounds play, like that's clear. Yeah, you got out of bounds clear. Well, it was clear. It was really, really clear. And Danny Green out here shooting two two air balls oh. in a row, and the coach is okay with that early in the shot clock. You know, um, they coming back, and they always felt like they was in the game. Every time KD gets in the game, it felt like a one point game. Every time we'd be up by like twelve. 
soon as KD come in, it feels like a one point game. Yeah. You know? Um, so all right, um a couple points about um the Eagles. Um what is Nick Sariani good at? Like honestly, what is he good at as a coach? Uh he hasn't shown to be good at much so far, Eric. Like I, I <laughs> We're only six I games it. in, um, but but it has it has not looked very impressive so far. It it does not take six games to realize what a coach is good at. Like I'm watching the game and it's like, okay. We just had like like five drives in a row look at the exact same and we get three three and outs. And it's like it's either we get bailed out by penalties. Oh yeah, Jalen Hurts is not if he's not the quarterback of the future. He's not accurate enough. He doesn't have to me he doesn't have an NFL arm. And that's just my opinion. Um he does do spectacular things with his legs. He's good at, you know, getting out of trouble, stuff like that, but you gotta be accurate, man. Like too many misses, receivers running open, you missing them, you know? Well, Eric, do you have do you have hope for Sirianni and Hurts going forward, or do you think this is just what they are? Honestly, um, I have more hope in Sirianni than Hurts. Really? Um, the only reason I say that is just because I, I don't – as a coach, I can see him improving because I, I feel as though, like, like, change your offense. Like, he's trying to get to know himself, first-time play caller. So I'm giving him more leeway. But with Jalen Hurts, it's like your weakness is the same weakness that was in your scouting report. And I know it's just your second year. I know it's just, what, your times 11th game or whatever. But, like, at the same time, man, like you can't be missing throws like this. Like you can't be underthrowing the ball. You can't be overthrowing the ball like that. You Like it happens way too often for it to just be coincidence. Yeah. No, I got, I got you, Eric, and I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. And I, I, I hear you. I just – I would like to see Jalen Hurts being put in better situations, and, and I'd like to see how he'd play being put in those better situations. Like right now, I think what you're seeing is a young quarterback who is just constantly being put in terrible positions by his coaching staff. And there are things he needs to improve. Like you know Jalen Hurts already. You know He's not the kind of guy who can carry you. You can't expect him to to carry you. You know, you need to put him in better spots to succeed. And that's, to me, been the most frustrating thing so far. And I do put it more on Sirianni. You know, if you want to look at that and, and, and discuss that, like who's the offensive struggles more on, Jalen Hurts or Nick Sirianni, uh, I think it's been on Sirianni. I think for a rookie quarter, for a young quarterback, you need to you need to help him. Like, that's your first job as an offensive play caller and as an offensive coach. And we haven't seen Nick Sirianni do nearly a good enough job of that so far. Let's go to Eddie in Newark. What's up, Eddie? Hello, Tom. I always enjoy your show, buddy. Oh, thanks, Eddie. Appreciate it, man. You got it. I got two questions for you. Sure. Okay? The first question is, um, does the Eagles have a quarterback coach? Yes. And the second question? And the second question is, um, I thought they brought Joe Flacco to coach this young kid. You know what I mean? Seems like when uh, Jalen Hurst is on the bench by himself, nobody's around him, you know, just to teach him the ropes, buddy. What do you think about that? Do I think what, – what do I think Joe Flacco should be mentoring Jalen Hurts? Is that your question? Well, no. Well, I imagine that's what they brought it in for, right? They brought him in. I, I, quarterback. You know, I don't really know why they brought Joe Flacco in. I feel like it was a, a signing that didn't make a lot of sense. But, 
you know, they brought him in to be to be a backup quarterback, and um, you know, I don't think they brought him in to to play or anything like that. So okay, yep. Well, I I appreciate it, Eddie. Thanks for the call. And I don't know if Eddie was getting it. You know, they should put Joe Flacco in the game. They should absolutely not do that. Like this season is about finding out about Jalen Hurts. No, I think he was just pointing out that like what part of why you bring in a veteran quarterback is that hopefully they'll it'll help coach up the the younger quarterback Jalen Hurts right and when we see Jalen on the bench it's not often that you see Flacco going over to him and saying hey I noticed this on that play and whatever he's not engaging in the same way as like Josh McCown was yeah I, was I, I don't know I wouldn't read too much into I'm, that I'm not saying yeah. it's a huge thing but I hadn't noted. I hadn't been looking for it, but I also haven't noticed it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I haven't really looked. Uh, you know, to to see what's been going on there. I wouldn't read too much into it, though. I think Flacco, you know, is playing his role, and you know, he'll be a backup, and I'm sure he's helping Hurts off the field and, and things of that nature. But, um, yeah, I, I I think when you look at this season and you look at Jalen Hurts, and obviously this season is about finding out about Jalen Hurts, and we've talked about whether you potentially go away from him at some point. I wouldn't. Unless you have legit questions about Sirianni with like a month left. Like, this is the scenario in which I could see Jalen Hurts getting benched and where I wouldn't be upset about it. Um, Say you get to the point where you got a month left in the season and you're trying to figure out, you know, whether we should bring back Nick Sirianni. If the offense has struggled that much where you don't know if Sirianni should be here anymore uh, beyond this year and you want to see him with a different quarterback to kind of, you know, get a better evaluation, whether it's Jalen Hurts' fault or Nick Sirianni's fault, then you go to Gardner Minshew. Like, if I was the Eagles as far as Joe Flacco goes, though, I'd be trying to trade him for pretty much anything over the next week. Like, and it's not that Joe Flacco is, you know, a bad player. I don't think he's pretty average at this point in his career. Um, But, like, Joe Flacco serves no purpose here at this point. Like, if the Eagles were to either go away from Jalen Hurts in a benching scenario or he were to get injured, the guy you'd want to see is Minshew. Like, he's the guy who is younger and would potentially have more um, value to you in the long term. So, as far as Joe Flacco goes, I think the Eagles uh, should be trying to move him and and maybe a few veterans this week. Uh, Let's go to Steve in Egg Harbor. What's up, Steve? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not buying any of this crap with what he has said. He said before he got here, the way he snuck into town, the way he said, I want to go to a place where I I, I can make mistakes and blah, 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 blah. And just before he was supposed to talk to the media, he gets conveniently thrown out of practice. And then he comes back a day after. Now he's got a back problem and his mental issues. Look, I got a psychologist in my family. He's a very avid sports person. He said this guy is faking it up the hill. He's making he's making this look terrible for not only himself but for people who really do suffer from this. And I got that from a pretty reliable source who was in the biz for about thirty five years before they retired. So this guy's a piece of crap. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. Um, he should be he should be suspended by the team for detrimental conduct to the team, and they should get a labor lawyer and try and exonate his contract and just let this guy walk. Because I'm telling you right now, you exonate this guy's contract, this guy is not getting 6 $7 million from anybody in the NBA because who would want somebody like this? All 
of the the, the the things about this guy were out five years ago. If you listened to that report from the guy who was on Angela Cattati, I believe it was Friday. Yeah, Jonathan Gavoni, yeah. Yeah, that tells you everything you needed to know, plus the fact that his own country's basketball team didn't even like this guy. This guy is a spoiled, rotten brat. He's been babied his whole life. Everybody bought the Kool-Aid that this guy was the next LeBron, blah, 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 even though he couldn't shoot a basketball. And they Sixers bought into it, and Daryl Morey should have taken what he could have gotten a long time ago. Getting quality for this guy now is not going to happen. Like I told your producer, I wouldn't give you a soiled diaper for this guy. Yeah, I hear you, Steve, and I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. And I know that's the way a lot of people feel, but, like, I, I just don't buy – I, I I don't buy that his value is totally gone. Like, I still think you could potentially get some. Now, I don't know. Like, who knows what's going to happen in a couple months. But I know you're not getting anything now. So it doesn't make sense to, to trade him now. And, and hey, I know a lot of people agree with Steven. I'm not whatever. I'm not going to call the guy a liar. We'll see how it plays out. But he has done nothing to, you know, get the benefit of the doubt from people here. The way he's acted this offseason, it seems to me like somebody who – you know, knows what they're doing and it just wants to be out of Philadelphia. Um, and again, like, I just hope he's being genuine because if he's not, it's really, it would be really disgraceful. And maybe that would really hurt his value because you would have to question if somebody were to not be genuine in this kind of scenario. Um, I do think that is something that teams would look at and, 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 you know, be hesitant about bringing somebody like that in. But, uh, um, you know, as far as the the trade aspect of it, uh, I don't think getting rid of him now for nothing uh, makes a whole lot of sense. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Lines have cleared up a little bit. We got Al coming up next, and then you, if you would like to get in. So I'd love to hear from you. And when we get back, uh, I also wanted to play some sound from uh, college football on Saturday because one of the most unique and interesting college football coaches in the country. Uh, he, he, he didn't really want to answer a lot of football questions, but then was asked about Halloween and got into a, a, a very uh, excited answer. So we'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. The World Series is set. As the Astros uh, eliminated the Red Sox on Friday night with a 5 nothing win. And on Saturday night, how about this upset of a series? And the Atlanta Braves end up knocking out the Los Angeles Dodgers. Man, baseball is such a crazy sport where that Dodgers team was a, an all-star team. Like, that was as good, a, a complete a team as... You could have, they beat the Giants in a hard-fought five-game series after beating a red-hot Cardinal team in the in the wild-card game of the walk-off homer, and they can't get past the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Braves win it 4-2, to so it'll be the Braves and the Astros World Series starting on Tuesday night. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just worrisome. When you look at where the Phillies are and the fact that the Phillies are going to have to overtake the Braves, and they're nowhere close to that team. I mean, the Braves are going to the World Series without Ronald Acuna Jr. And he's a top, what, three to five best player in baseball. And you saw really that last week of the season when the Phillies went down there and they got swept and they weren't 
really close in a lot of those games and got dominated for the most part. Uh, Braves go into the World Series, and it does bring you back to the Phillies and make you think about how far away this team truly is. But the Braves and, and Astros starting Tuesday night, and nothing against the Braves, but this can't be something Major League Baseball's happy about. I mean, all of their storylines, I think, were were centered around the Dodgers with these final four teams. Hey, if you got Dodgers-Astros, obviously that would have been awesome with the the cheating history between those two teams. If you had Dodgers and Red Sox, you get the whole story with the Mookie Betts trade and that coming full circle. Um, but now, uh, Braves and Astros, I don't know. It should be an interesting series. should be a, a, two really good teams. Uh, but the storyline's not quite not quite the same. 215-592-9494. And I did want to play some sound for you real quick. We were talking about college football earlier with Penn State. Well, uh, another notable result, Ole Miss um, dominated – LSU, but but Mike Leach, he's the coach of Mississippi State, I think, actually. So I I, I, uh, I, I get my Ole Miss and Mississippi State's mixed up. But Mike Leach, um, who is a very unique uh, person, I would say, um, but gets the win, being asked football questions, and you could tell he has no interest in any of these questions. But then uh, the reporter, I'm not sure exactly who the reporter was, but she asked him a question that did pique his interest uh, regarding Halloween. We talked about on the broadcast how you hate candy corn. What's your favorite Halloween? Candy corn. I mean, I completely hate candy corn. Um, (laughs) uh, When I was a kid, well, gummy bears, let's see. Uh, Gummy bears for sure. Sour or regular? Uh, um, The the Haribo. It's got to be the Haribo ones. And then uh, the other thing I like is is when they used to have the the, uh, sprees in a box outstanding. You have to go to the dollar store to find it, but I do. And then the latest, the, the latest, you know, there's still candy innovation, although a while back I found that Europe had better candy than we did overall, because <laughs> they have gummy everything. And then, uh, but the, um, the uh, you know, they have those Nerds Clusters, which is new. With the gummy. Yeah, which is good. The Nerds Clusters is good. And then if you go chocolate, uh, probably Almond Joy. Love it. Hopefully you'll get some of that next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Thanks, Coach. All right, thank you. He was so into that question uh, about Halloween candy. I don't know. What's your favorite Halloween candy, Moshe? I've always – he says Almond Joy. He likes Almond Joys. I've always had this argument with Glenn. Glenn's a big, like, Almond Joy mounds guy. I don't want any of that coconut crap. Get that out of here. Oh, yeah, no, I'm I'm not a coconut fan. Um I mean, look. If I'm gonna do, uh, I'm if I'm gonna do a nut thing. I'd get the, um, uh, I get the, oh, what's the Philly area almond? Uh, I'm blanking on it now. Whatever. Mm. Uh, but know, no, you got it's Reese's anything. Reese's yeah. pieces, Reese's peanut butter cups, anything chocolate peanut butter is gonna do it for me. But that was like a solid. It, the whole cut was a minute. The the interviewer talks a little bit at the beginning. Solid like fifty five seconds or fifty seconds of Mike Leach just talking candy. Oh, it's like Mike Leach has been asked has been waiting f- to be asked that question his entire life. I, I I wonder what the when the last time was that he gave an in depth football answer that was that long. Yeah, I doubt it's <laughs> been any time any time recently. But uh, that's Mike Leach, one of the most interesting characters. Uh, in sports, I'm I'm a Reese's Cup guy myself. And by the way, a candy bar, which has been a, you know, I, I don't know if they if it's still even sold anymore, but very underrated in its time is Nutrageous. Nutrageouses were great. 
uh, peanut butter and, and everything. So uh, that was Mike Leach, always entertaining. Uh, 215-592-9494. Let's go to Al in Hamilton. What's up, Al? You know, Tom, I like your, your way you're phrasing the Ben Simmons uh, situation where you're cautiously questioning him but leaving room for the legitimacy of his concerns and you know, you're not you're not talking in absolutes. But I want to make an interesting point. I haven't heard anybody make it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, let's give Ben Simmons the benefit of the doubt, but don't you find it interesting how when a little girl by the name of Simone Biles did the same thing during the Olympics and walked away in the biggest stage, left her team in the biggest event because she was having performance and anxiety issues and she was talked about as a hero and very brave for stepping up and yet um ben is not giving any of the benefit there or talked about it all because he's a big strong guy uh he's not allowed to to have these feelings and i'm not defending him in any way because i question him as well but i find it an interesting comment how simone Biles or osaka the tennis player are heroes for facing it and, it, and coming to terms with it and he is not even given the least benefit of the doubt well, in this situation. I would say this, Al. I don't read it the same way that you do. Like, I don't think it is a male-female thing. I don't think it's one of those things where, oh, Ben's supposed to be this big, strong guy, so, so you know, you can't be compassionate to him with these issues because we just saw people were very compassionate to Lane Johnson. You know, Lane Johnson dealing with these issues. He's as, as you know, strong as any guy you'll see, and there is compassion given to him. I think with Ben Simmons, it's much more about the way he's gone about things the last few months and what we know his objectives to be. Like, his objectives are unquestionably get traded or get my money with ne- without needing to play for the Sixers. And the fact that finally it's gotten to this point now – uh, a way he could maybe get to that goal with minimal questioning, I think that's why he's not given the benefit of the doubt. And I, and I agree with that 100%. I just find it interesting that I, I still think the little girls get a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. But even so, who would be advising Ben on using this and playing this card? It makes no sense in terms of if you want to get out of Philly and get to a different team and make the kind of money you want to make and play in this, why would you use this? as your reason when it would only put doubt in any general managers or any other owner's mind of taking you. I just don't see that as playing that card makes there's other cards to play in that situation. Not this one. This one would be something that would make no sense. It doesn't benefit you in the least. Well, well, Al, and I appreciate the call. Well, well, I mean, think about the timing of it. It comes a day after the GM pretty much took a, a grandstanding, uh, you know, stance and said, he's, he's not getting traded until we get value for him. So, you know, Ben Simmons, I think, knows he's exhausting a lot of his options, and if he's not getting traded, make no mistake, he does not want to play for the Sixers still, and he wants to get his money. Like, that's why he he didn't come in, he didn't think they'd find him, he thought he'd eventually see his, see his money. Once he realized that wasn't happen, happening, he came in, you know, got kicked out of practice, you know, and, and realized he could still be fined and things like that, so... I get why people aren't giving him the benefit of the doubt. And like like Al said, I'm not going to speak in absolutes on this because I don't know what's going on in Ben Simmons' mind. I think it would be irresponsible for me to just come out and say, oh, he's a faker, he's a liar, all this stuff. But I get why people don't believe him. Like, let's face it. He has done nothing to earn the benefit of the doubt from people. 
when he has made every different excuse about why he needs out of Philadelphia, and for it to come at this point certainly would lead to questions. I don't know. I just hope he's being genuine. Uh, And I'll continue to say that because if he's not, it it would be disgraceful and it would demean people who really are dealing with stuff. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. All you guys on hold, hang tight. We will get right back to the phones when we return. Talking Sixers, Ben Simmons, Eagles, Raiders tomorrow. uh, All that on the table. Uh, So I'd love to hear from you. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another couple hours here. Thank you for to Moshe Kravitz for producing first couple hours of the show. Dan Wilson now taking over now for the final two hours. Uh, talking a lot of Sixers tonight. Uh, the Ben Simmons situation as he is now stepping away from the team. Um, not mentally ready to play at this point. And uh, you know, I, I know there's going to be a lot of uh, discussion on this and, and you know, and I I feel like I've made my, my stance pretty clear here. Like, I'm not going to call him a liar. I'm not going to say, oh, he's just, you know, this is just his, his latest thing to get money. He's totally full of it. But I, I mean, I understand why people feel that way. I get it. I mean, Ben Simmons has been trying to figure out a way to get paid without playing all, all offseason. Now, you know, I, I don't doubt that he has some things going on in his head. I mean, you see with the free throw shooting and over the course of the years and his shooting issues, you see that he appears to be somebody who's pretty insecure. Um, but, uh, you know, I just I just hope this is coming from a place of being genuine. And if it if it's not like it would be so disturbing um, that he would care that little about people who actually are having issues that he would just, uh, you know, decide, okay, I'm just going to use this as an excuse to get my money. And, I mean, I I understand Tobias Harris saying, oh, you know, he's our brother, respect his space and stuff like that. But um, people are going to be skeptical when you act the way he's acted, bottom line. And, again, I'm not going to call him a liar, uh, but I hope he's being genuine. Uh, and and if he's not, that would be, be really disturbing. So been talking about that. Talking about the Eagles Raiders. Eagles back on the field tomorrow for the first time in 10 days. Whether you think they can win this game, they're two and a half point underdogs. I'm surprised the line's not higher. Like, I don't think the Raiders are a great team by any means. Um, but I also I also don't think the Eagles have played the last couple weeks like a team that's going to beat many teams in the league. That being said, six games in, if you had said this team will be two and four. We would have taken that, considering you're playing the Bucks and the Chiefs and Dallas and and the 49ers. Two and four is not a bad spot to be in. And this is, to me, the first real big test for Nick Sirianni. And we'll hear more from Nick Sirianni this hour. But in terms of getting what is essentially a mini-buy, getting into self-scout mode, having extra time to prepare for this game when the offense has looked so bad the last two weeks um, – This is a real test of Nick Sirianni's competence as a head coach and whether he can be a head coach in this league because this team needs to get it corrected offensively. They need to get it corrected quickly on that side of the ball. And um, going into this game with extra prep time, I think this is going to be really telling as far as Sirianni and whether he can get this offense back on track. Now, as far as my prediction for this game, I think it's going to be close. I I think the Eagles are going to play it tight. 
No Darren Waller potentially for the Raiders could be huge. I mean, if he doesn't play, that's going to make life a lot easier on the defense um, considering what a talent that guy is. They still have some some guys who can who can make plays. Henry Ruggs, um, Edwards, the receiver. Uh, they they have a pretty talented group offensively. Um, but I think the Eagles play it close. I do think the Raiders win. I'll take the Raiders 23-20 in this one. Uh, but certainly a game the Eagles could win. And if they do, uh, the season and making the playoffs still very much a possibility. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Hank in Germantown. What's up, Hank? Hi, Tom. Can you hear me? I got you. What's going on? Uh, I've been listening since the very beginning with WIP, okay? But I don't call too much. Okay. But in this Eagles, uh, where they're at now, I look at the Eagles as being far better off because of Jalen Hurts, okay? And their intangible qualities. Carson Wentz made the players around him not want to play, okay? That was his big downfall. It wasn't the measurable qualities. It was the intangible. And if you look at the Eagles' payroll, by the time they finally got him out of there, right, he had half of their productive payroll not wanting to play with him, okay? And I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about LaShawn and Nelly and and guys like uh, Darren Sproles and most possibly uh, Derek, uh, the, the wide end, the, the guy that they just got rid of who was absolutely fantastic. And uh, if you look at it, out of the Eagles, $200 million payroll, right? Only $100 million of it was actually productive, was on the field and playing, okay? You don't have this problem. Now, Jalen Hurts, okay, his intangible quality, he does not have the measurables, but he does have the great intangible quality of making the players around him want to play. Yeah, and, and okay? I, I do think he has those qualities. That Hank, is but- that, if you look at it, there's a term that they talk in business school for a, an employee named Carson Wentz, okay? And the term is, he's a rate buster, okay? And what, that, what a rate buster does, he has the effect on the players around him that they don't want to play yeah, or the employees. I, I got you, Hank, and I appreciate the call. And I do think Carson Wentz lacked leadership issues, and I do think Jalen Hurts has those intangibles, but those intangibles only take you so far. Like, you know, you obviously need that. And that, uh, as a quarterback, it's incredibly important that you have the respect of your teammates and you're a guy that does inspire them to want to play for you and with you. But Jalen Hurts needs to make some strides here. Like, and if that, and that remains like the, the objective of this season more than anything else is finding out what you have in Jalen Hurts and seeing him develop and improve, uh, and we haven't seen enough improvement so far. Now, you can debate why that is. I would certainly um, – I certainly believe that, that a lot of Jalen Hurts' issues have been caused by the fact that 
you just have a um, a coach that's not putting them in, in situations to be successful. Like, I don't think Jalen Hurts is being put in good spots by Nick Sirianni. Uh, and that is an area where Sirianni, you'd hope over the bye week, um, t- decides to run the ball a little bit, decides to do some things to put Jalen Hurts in better situations where he doesn't have to carry the whole offense. Um but yeah, I like the intangibles Jalen Hurts has, but that's not that's not enough. You need to see him making legitimate improvements, and that means not missing open receivers. That means not you know being inaccurate with the football, uh, and uh, those are areas where he certainly needs to uh, needs to get better moving forward. Let's go to Chris in Williamstown. What's up, Chris? You know Tim or Tom? Wow, why was I thinking of Tim for a second? Tom. There, there is a guy uh, that works here named Tim Kelly as well. So, so I get. See, what and I was just having this conversation in my head, like you know, the fact that that was a thing for a while. You know, asking if you guys were related or not. Yeah, you know, whatever. Let's we, move we are, on. we are not though, Chris. So, you know, yeah. I, I, you kind of hit it on nail. Like, I, I have no trust in the Eagles. Like, you, ha- you're going against one of the worst, one of the worst run defenses, and I guarantee you, they will do exactly what they've always done, which is pass, 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 pass. Take it a step further, Jalen Hurts. You know, like some of these read options, I watch it, and the guy that he takes the ball from, whether it's Miles Sanders, whatever, the guy could actually get a hole open and make something happen. And he he hesitates and he keeps and he tries to do the quarterback option. Like in other times where I, I, I doubt, you know, Jalen Hurts is 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 decision making, you know, like with that. But you know, I I, I got faith in this team. My, you know, my faith lacks, though, when it comes to the situation with Ben Simmons. And I've been listening to the overnights you've been doing and, you know, the, the back and forth you've had with Mike Angelina. And, you know, what? I have to side with Mike on this. Mike's side, I think, was basically that the organization is at fault for allowing us to get to this point. And I absolutely 1,000% agree with that notion. And I'm going to take it a step further than what everybody has been saying. When Brett Brown was brought in, if you remember, you know, Ben Simmons came literally the next year or two later, you know, well, not literally, but when, when the prop, when, when we got Ben Simmons, right. And, and he got injured that first year. Like mm-hmm. I really think Josh Harris was sold so much on this idea by Brett Brown. And that ultimately led to Alton Brand being the GM. We know the Colangelo issue. Like there was so many GMs that came, but, the two things that stayed the same were Brett Brown and Josh Harris. And I really think Josh, like, if you remember, Tom, nobody really thought that Josh Harris was about the Sixers because he bought the team when it was low, trying to sell it high while he had another team in the devil, which we knew was his baby. No, I think, you know what? I think Josh Harris is backed into a corner at this point where you know, it's to the point where he has to either make it work with Ben Simmons because of all the money he's invested into this guy thus far with the contract or risk losing it all and taking a black eye because of the way he has to do it. Josh Harris, make the tough decision. Cut the guy. It's not worth going on this long. You know, Steve said it perfectly. I couldn't agree with him more. If you got a bag of jelly donuts for Ben Simmons at this point, you'd be lucky to get that because the more he goes on with this mansy pansy nonsense, Tom, it's just going to degrade his trade value even more because every GM in the NBA is watching the antics that he's pulling and sees what kind of person he is already. And I'm telling you, screw the reports. 
people see this and they are not sitting there and taking this lightly. It, this issue in Philadelphia, people know, see this and they are not going to ah. take that kind of head case on. Well, I got, I got you, Chris, and I appreciate the call, man. I just, I'm telling you, like, it's a short-sighted approach. Like, and, and I know how people are down on Ben Simmons. He should be down on Ben Simmons. I mean, I, I, I don't think he's ever going to truly improve to the level he needs to as a player. But look at the game last night. Like, let, seriously, why did the Sixers lose that game to the Nets? To me, it's it's pretty simple. They have Kevin Durant and James Harden. You have Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris. Like, that that's the difference. They have two stars and you have one. Now, you could trade Ben Simmons right now for whatever package is out there. I'm sure somebody would take him at below value and you could get role players in here. And would it help marginally? Would it make this team... Somewhat better for the time being, sure. They'd get a couple guys that could come in and be be useful, and it would help them. It would not put them on a championship level. It just wouldn't. And, like, I'm not guaranteeing you anything. I'm not guaranteeing you, oh, yeah, if we wait till December or January, Sixers will get a star player. I don't know. I, I, I'd say right now the odds aren't looking great in that in that regard. But at least there's a chance you can get something of value then. Because you need another legitimate guy. Like, you don't need role players. You don't. And as Ben Simmons tries to force the Sixers' hand here, make no mistake, That's exact. this is exactly what his camp wants. They want Daryl Morey to panic. They want Daryl Morey to throw oh, every day his stock goes down. This it, It's a weird league. Like, guys' stocks fluctuate. I don't know if it's ever going to get to the point, and probably not, where you'd just be able to trade Ben Simmons on his own for something legitimate, but could you put him in as part of a package? Could you put him with picks? Could you put him with younger players? Like, uh, keep using the example. What if Tyrese Maxey has a great couple first first two months of the season, and he becomes a more valuable trade asset? I would rather hold on to him and take my chances, because you only have one opportunity to trade Ben Simmons and once you trade him you're never getting that asset back and let's face it this is an organization doesn't have a lot of assets of value to trade and again you can argue how much value Ben Simmons has but he has more value I believe than a lot of the other things you have to get better and you're not getting better with role players and Daryl Morey is, is handling this the right way and trading him now for 10 cents on the dollar is short-sighted, and it would be a bad organizational decision. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Go to Harold in Seattle. What's up, Harold? Hi, Tom. Great show. Thanks. What's going on? I refuse to talk about Ben Simmons again. All has been said that's, that's needed about him, and they have to figure it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I refuse to talk about the coach of the Eagles until he starts giving games away but not running. And I want to talk about Joel Embiid. I have a prediction. Okay. In the next couple of months, he will miss a lot of time because of his knees. He's 290, 280 pounds. Today I was reading, for every pound you weigh, it puts three to four pounds of pressure on your knees. And I predict he has two more years to play in the NBA because of his physical condition and he don't take his health serious. Well, 
Harold, I actually do think he started to take his health more seriously in the past couple of years. Like last year, he took care of his body better. Um, what, what happened to him with the injuries was kind of freakish. Now, I agree the knees are a problem. That's why the Sixers need to find a way to maximize, you know, this window that they have now. And it's why they need to figure out a way to get, you know, the best quality player they can get in here now uh, to, to go with him. I agree with you 100%. They have a two-year limit to win with him this year and next year. And if they don't win this year and next year with him, they should trade him. Well, and I, I hear you, Harold, and I appreciate the call. I mean, I'm not I'm not getting to that point with Joel Embiid where I'm going to make a kind of uh, – where I'm going to trade him because, um, you know, depending on what you're getting back, I don't think you're getting good value for Joel Embiid. But, sure, the, the injuries are a concern. And – he didn't look good last night. I mean, the knee, uh, he was limping around. Now, I know he it was kind of a thing in game one where he banged it against another player, um, but Joel Embiid's injuries are always going to be concerned, and it's why you do need to maximize this window that you have now, and it's why trading for more role players to surround Joel Embiid isn't going to give you the best chance to win a championship um, while you have him uh, as your as your franchise cornerstone. Let's go to Tim in Coatesville. What's up, Tim? Yo, Tim. Uh, yeah. Yo, Tim, you there? Oh, yeah, yeah. What's up? Hi. Hey, I want to talk to Ben Simmons. Sure. Well, I just wanted to say that I saw something several years ago that was like stood out in my mind as mental illness. And I, I've had some really good friends that uh, my best friends, one's schizophrenic, one's bipolar. I had a, a father with, with anxiety and depression, and uh, I kind of know the, the signs. And I honestly didn't even think about it at all until just recently when he said that he was experiencing it. I was like, quit. I was like, you know what? I can see it. You know? He, he has that kind of off type of, of vibe about him sometimes. You know what I mean? And people with mental illness, they can be perfect all the time and just have sometimes be off, where they can be off a lot and just sometimes be bright. You know, and, and I see that with him. So, so Tim, you, you are taking this at legit face value here, that, that you think this is kind of what's been behind everything going on with Ben Simmons? Uh, not necessarily everything, but, uh, like, you know, like one of the callers a couple of days ago called in and mentioned the low self-esteem thing and the fact that when he starts shooting poorly, he really goes away from his offense. Mm-hmm. And combined with his possible anxiety or depression or whatever other kind of typical mental illness that he's kind of has the vibe about, I would say that, that it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I would definitely credit him as, as uh, you know, somebody who probably has problems and just didn't want to bring out to the front. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, Tim, and I get it's it's something that can be difficult for people to discuss, but... Ben Simmons keeping this, if this has been really what's been behind everything this entire time, um, to keep this a secret and to use every other kind of excuse he's used, he doesn't really put himself in a situation to get the benefit of the doubt from most people. I agree. I mean, there's definitely immaturity. Immaturity is, is you know, right up there with the mental illness if it's, if, it's, if it's prevalent. And I agree with what you say. I've always been an advocate of holding on to Ben Simmons and trying to get him going, going right before you, you try and get – exchange values for what he's worth because he's worth a lot. He's a really great player. 
And uh, the playoffs have been terrible for him, I think, overall. But, you know, the regular season has been great. And if you can show that he can he can do well, then you could probably get a you know somebody great for him. Maybe we get Kyrie or something. That'd be amazing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe Tim and I appreciate the call. And I like again, I don't know what you can get for him. I think his value is nobody knows his value right now. Like you'll hear, you can hear across the board. Some people think he's got uh, a lot of value. Other people don't think he's got much at all. And it remains to be seen. But all I know is, is you're not getting anything that's going to help you right now. Like you're not getting anything that's going to help you substantially right now. So you're better off just holding off and, and holding on and, you know, as far as the mental health thing that Tim talked about there, like, and I think this is also important to understand that, like, struggling to make free throws and struggling to shoot in games, that's not necessarily a mental health issue. Like, like these are not equal things here. Like, and I don't doubt, maybe Ben Simmons does have, you know, issues going on. I know he had family issues last year. I know... You know, throughout his career, he's obviously struggled with confidence and and has created a lot of these situations for himself. But again, like you're not putting yourself in the situation, to get the benefit of the doubt from people. And I get why people are skeptical at this point. After everything he's done this offseason, uh, it's hard to trust him. It is. And we'll see. I think we will get more information. We'll get more clarity as the weeks go on here and exactly how. I don't even know if I want to use want to use the word credible, but how you know what is really going on with Ben Simmons? Um, but I hope he's being genuine, and I hope if he is being genuine, that he'd have just come out and said this a lot earlier because I think it would have made life a whole lot easier on him. I really do. Like I was at the game last night, and there were not like there was not this massive anti-Ben Simmons sentiment at the Wells Fargo Center. There just wasn't. And if he had come out after game seven and not, not immediately after the game, if if he's not ready to talk yet, but like as this off season's going on, if he talks about that and how he can move forward after having also a whole off season to do so, instead of just trying to do everything he could to get out of this city, and get all of his money as quickly as possible, I think people would be a lot more understanding of him uh, than him just coming out now. Because, honestly, I, I get if people do read it now and think, you know, it, it looks like uh, some sort of excuse. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Jeff, Brett, Tyler, get to all you guys when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another hour and a half here until 2 a.m. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, we'll get to Nick Sirianni coming up here. Uh, his comments ahead of Eagles Raiders this week. We'll have our Week 7 NFL preview coming up a little later on as well before we get out of here. But obviously, a lot of Ben Simmons talk tonight. Where the Sixers should go from here. With Ben Simmons as, you know, stepping away from the team, um, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris echoing support for Ben Simmons. I think, you know, part of that is probably a little a little bit of a, a calculation, uh, certainly on Joel Embiid's part where, you know, and this was kind of my uh, theory 
as to why I thought there was a chance prior to this week. Obviously, after this week, there was no chance Ben Simmons would get cheered had he played in that game. But I did think that there was a chance that Ben Simmons would be supported by this fan base um, had he played. Uh, because, in general, I think it, it's not helpful to the Sixers for this to be such an uncomfortable situation. I think they know that, and they know that you know, coming out against Ben Simmons is not something that's going to be helpful. And, and, you know, this, this latest mental health excuse, and all I'll say is, you know, what we've been talking about all night, where we'll see where it goes from here. Um, I don't want to just straight up call him a liar. You know, I, I don't know what is going on with Ben Simmons that could affect uh, the way that he is um, conducting himself. But, this would have been so much easier and would have been a lot easier to believe, quite frankly, if he had just done this right after the season. Because you wait, you use all these other excuses why you need out, why you don't want to be here anymore, why you basically just want your money and not to play for the Sixers. Uh, it's hard to give a guy like that the benefit of the doubt, and it's why uh, a lot of people uh, are not doing so. Also, Eagles, Raiders, and whether you think the Eagles can win this game, Line's only at two and a half. Do think it's a winnable game. I'm picking the Raiders 23-20. Um, but, man, you look at the Eagles and you look at the schedule. And, like, even though this season's not as much about getting to the playoffs this year, it's about finding out what you have in Hurts and, and Nick Sirianni, the Eagles win this game. They have a legitimate shot to get back in the mix here. You look at this schedule. They're going to luck themselves into five or six wins minimum. You got Washington twice. You got the Giants twice. You're playing the Jets. You're playing the Lions. You're playing at Denver, which, you know, I I, I think Denver stinks. Like I don't think they're a very good team at all. Um, you have the Saints at home, which the Saints, I think, are best an average team. Like, this is a, a, an opportunity for this team to get back in the mix. It's one of the harder games they have left on their schedule. And, and if they can get this win, I think it changes the complexion of this season quite a bit. Also, uh, the Flyers played on Saturday night. They lose to the um, they lose to the Panthers four to two. Uh, kind of a frustrating game. Made some mistakes um, and not able to close out the third period. Well, game was two two going into the third. Flyers get outplayed in that period and lose that one. So, if you want to get on that, you're welcome to. And Jeff in Texas wants to talk about the Flyers. What's up, Jeff? Yeah, hey Tom, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm I'm a little frustrated with the Flyers because I felt like they they were I felt like they were going to win, and then they gave up the the cheapy goal at the end of the second period. And uh, you know, if I'm recalling correctly, uh, Carter Hart had a glove on the puck, and then they they just crowded the net and tipped it back in, and um, and then. You know, in the third, where they let the Panthers score the uh, the third goal by the Panthers uh, on a Flyers power play, that you know, after they had like three guys right on the blue line at the same time, to me it was really frustrating. I really thought they had a chance to to beat a five and O team, and that'd have been cool for me. I would have liked I would have liked that. Um, and also, I want to say good luck to the Eagles tomorrow, and especially Lane Johnson. Uh, and that's it. That's all I got for tonight. Okay, well, I appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you for the call. And, yeah, I mean, when you look at the Flyers, and, and you know, we talk about stories of seasons, and this season for them is all about Carter Hart. And uh, 
I would say not great so far. Like it's it's obviously very early, um, but you know this was a guy who was talked up for years as this is going to be the future of this franchise a goaltender. This franchise that has struggled to fill that role for so long, and he doesn't look special. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, obviously, last year was a bad year for him, but he just doesn't look like a, a special difference-making kind of player. Now, hopefully, the more experience he gets, the better he gets, and the more he improves, but... Uh, you know, I have some concerns, and I think when you talk about benefit of the doubt, the Flyers don't deserve the benefit of the doubt as far as that position, considering how wrong they've gotten it for such a long time. Let's go to Tyler in Pottstown. What's up, Tyler? Hey, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, well, I'm all right. Um, I mean, uh, I've called about Ben Simmons. I do want to touch on the Flyers, too. I'm so I'm so numb with the Flyers, honestly. Like, I just... You know, I'm excited about the, I mean, well, I, I, I'm following the Sixers season. I'm excited, you know, I follow the Phillies, obviously, Birds fan, but I don't know, I'm so numb with the Flyers. Like, they just, I, I feel like they just need to start over. Like, their core, the core guys, like, they, they don't excite me anymore. Giroux doesn't excite me anymore. Like, I just, and then we waited, I, what I felt like was for years for this goaltender, and you're right, dude, he just, he doesn't look special, like, and that's frustrating. Like, I, I just feel like I'm so numb with that team, man. Yeah, and it, it was like, Tyler, even if you the team wasn't going to be great, and even if they'd be like, you know, it would take a, a time for them to develop into a Stanley Cup contender, you were hoping to see, you know, a goalie who looked like he was going to be a legitimate difference maker. And, you know, he just doesn't appear to be that to me. You know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's concerning. I, I agree. Yeah, and the way he finished last year, and I, yeah, that, that's what I mean. And I, I mean that it's that's frustrating. Uh, flyers, whatever. Uh, but really, Ben Simmons. Let's let's get down to that. Um, I, I can't stand the guy. Um, and and really, I'll be honest with you. I was shocked to see that pregame with Joel Embiid. Like that's that's a like this is turning into a joke. Like like the guy is sitting at home making $140 million and like the rest of the team has to come out and like ask the fans not to boo him. Like, like like, that's what we're talking about here. His mental anxiety is because he doesn't want to get booed. He's scared to play at home. Like that's what we're talking about here. Right? Yeah. Tyler. And you know, I know like Ben Simmons had family issues going on last year and things like that, but for him to not say anything until now is like that's going to be met with resistance. And I think his teammates have handled this very well, honestly. I think Embiid and Harris, because what are you, like this is really the route they have to go. Like they gotta they gotta come out and be supportive whether they want to or not. But like, yeah, I agree. I think Ben Simmons has put himself in a situation where even if Typically, somebody in this situation would get empathy. Um, he's not somebody who's put himself in that kind of uh, position because of how disingenuous he's been through a lot of this whole process, really. And I was going to say, right, only because of how he's been. He's the one that's done this. You're 100% right. If he wouldn't have been acting the way that he's been acting, then, yes, this would not be the reaction. And, and I, I totally agree with you on that. I just feel like, yeah, he's taking advantage of this. Um, so I just let me just quick end this with, um, I mean, so fast forward four weeks. We're at Thanksgiving. What does this look like in four weeks? With Ben Simmons? Yeah. 
honestly, Tyler, at this point, the way I think it's going to look for the next, you know, four to six weeks is he will be away from the team. I don't know about the money. I, I mean, they'll, I guess, have to determine his mental fitness. Um, and then, I don't know, there could be a fight between the Sixers and Ben Simmons, but I still, I don't think he returns to this team or gets traded anytime soon. I, I don't think we're headed for a resolution either way anytime soon. No, I totally agree. Tom, I appreciate yep. your time. Yep. Have okay. a good night, man. Yep, you too, Tyler. Take it easy. And yeah, I think that, I mean, and nobody wants this to drag out longer, but I think it's going to drag out longer. I mean, Daryl Morey said he could do this four more years. Like, And I think Daryl Morey, like, and this is where I don't agree with all of the heat that the Sixers have taken. Now, if you want to blame previous administrations for their role in Ben Simmons becoming what he's become and where we are, that's fine. Like, the Colangelos were a disaster. Elton Brand was a disaster. Um, choosing Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler looks worse every single day. And that that's really the offseason that kills you, where you go back to that offseason and what you could have potentially done, where the Sixers made pretty much every wrong decision. They decide, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to extend Ben Simmons. We're going to give a max contract to Tobias Harris. We're going to throw a bunch of money at Al Horford and we're going to let Jimmy Butler go. Like, and make no mistake, that came down to Jimmy versus Ben. Jimmy and Ben did not want to play together. You know, Ben didn't like that Jimmy was handling the ball at the end of the playoff games when you need somebody to handle the ball who can shoot and do the things Jimmy Butler does. I do think there is a world in which the Sixers could have given Jimmy Butler the max contract instead of Tobias Harris. Just let Tobias Harris walk. The trade didn't work out, whatever. You let him go. And you could have traded Ben Simmons then. And Ben Simmons at that point had extreme value. And you know a guy who at that point value was lower? And this is where, and I'm not saying Ben's going to develop and have his trade value skyrocket, but this just shows how things can change, is a guy whose stock was not very high at the time is a guy like Devin Booker. Like, I think you could have honestly at that point traded Ben Simmons for Devin Booker. And you could maybe have Devin Booker, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid right now. And thinking back to that offseason, that's when it really all went south for uh, the Sixers. And um, if you want to blame those administrations, fine. But since Daryl Morey's been here, I don't think Daryl Morey has done a whole lot wrong in this situation. I think he's handled it relatively well um, and is doing what he needs to do. It's not ideal, um, but it's the situation that this team is in, and and I think Daryl Morey's handling it appropriately. Let's go to Drew in Phoenixville. What's up, Drew? (laughs) Yo, what's going on? Let me get you off of Bluetooth real quick. Okay. You hear me? Gotcha. Gotcha, Drew. Hello. Yeah, are you there, Drew? I got you. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I'm sorry. I just no need problem. to get you off of Bluetooth. Um, yeah, yeah. You were, I, I started on all four. Like, where do you want to start? The Eagles? Yeah, wherever you want. You can start with the Eagles. All right. Well, with the Eagles, first of all, like, I don't think this coach is going to be our our coach for long. I don't think he has this stuff. I like, I mean, Harry high school is, is like a, that's like a compliment to this guy. Like it's his play calling is ridiculous. Like he never puts him under center. He's always had a shotgun. The RPO is like, it's not even an RPO. It's just like, you know what it's going to be. It's going to be a pass. Yeah. And not going to hand it off. Like, I mean, this guy is, is, I don't even, I don't even know what to say about the way he's playing 
calling plays right now. Like, this is it's ridiculous. And I think the hope, Drew, and we'll see, and I think this is why Sunday is such a, a big spot and an interesting game for Nick Sirianni because he's now had the extra time off that maybe over this, like, mini-buy, the Eagles have done some self-scouting, and I'm interested to see what the offense looks like because if they come out and they look very similar uh, in approach to what they've they've done so far, that would really worry me. That he's it's not going to happen, time. though. Listen, man, he might – he might run a couple plays at the beginning because he's heard all the noise and he acts like, like you know, like in Angelo, he asked him, did you hear the crowd noise and them calling, sarcastically calling for you to run? He acts like he didn't. Like he knows. He knows. He knows he's got to run the ball, but he's just refusing to. So what, what that signifies to me is they don't have really have confidence in Hurts. And to be honest with you, it pains me to say this, I don't really think Hurts is the guy. Like he, it's not like he's he's got a skill a skill set, but he's not like you know like a Lamar Jackson. He's big and he can run and and throw in the pocket. He doesn't really have the in the pocket skill set to pick pick defenses apart like a Brady or somebody or a Breeze or or Aaron Rodgers or something like that. So he doesn't really have that skill set as a pocket quarterback. So I mean he ha- he has a you know, out of the pocket threat, but I don't really think he's going to be the guy. Yeah, and he might not, Drew. And and that's the thing. Like, I don't know if he's the guy, but this is what bothers me: is I want to get a legitimate appraisal of whether he can be. And I think that's difficult right now because of the bad situations he's being put in. Like, oh, they're putting him in a bad spot. Yeah. They're putting it all on him because they're just saying go out there and make something happen. They're not even giving him a run game, which is ridiculous. I mean, you can't ask your your quarterback in his 10th career start to, to, yeah. to just go back and make plays. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So what do you Flyers, have on the Okay. Flyers, I mean, I don't think Hart's the guy. We've been waiting forever for, for, for a goalie. And, you know, I think, I think, I think there's going to be something this year though, but I don't know if Hart's going to be the guy. I like, they got a good team. Like they, their general manager really made some moves and, and put some guys in there and they showed some fight. And I like that. But I don't really think Hart is the guy, though. Yeah, I mean, it's been concerning so far, Drew. What do you got on the Sixers? Sixers, as far as Ben goes, I mean, come on, man. Like, let's let's just let's just let's just call it what it is. Like, like we don't have to beat around the bush and act like this guy is isn't faking. Like, he's he doesn't have a mental illness. So first, like Lane Johnson, like immediately I remember when. Uh, a few years ago, they were they were saying like uh, him and Brandon Brooks they would throw up together before games, and then as soon as this, this happened when when he went out, I knew immediately what it was. It was a mental illness issue, because that's what people with mental illness do. They withdraw, they they withdraw themselves from society, from the family, from everybody. This guy Ben Simmons. He's not withdrawn. He's out there going to Wimbledon with his girlfriend with Maya Jama. He's posting pictures. He's on, he's playing games on his Xbox. You know what I mean? Like that's he. If you really had a mental illness, it's the the money wouldn't motivate you to come back to face what's scaring you. Just being scared is not a mental issue. You're I, just scared. I hear you, Drew, and I appreciate the call, man. Thanks, and and. You know, and I, I know that's a lot of the sentiment going around. And, and again, Ben Simmons has put himself in this situation to where I get 
being skeptical. You know, he's acted in such a, a way this offseason uh, that, that doesn't inspire getting a lot of benefit of the doubt. And um, all I can say, you know, I'll keep saying what I've been saying. Like, I just hope he's being genuine because if he's not, it'd be pretty disgraceful. 215-592-9494. Leon, Jim, we'll get both you guys. When we get back, I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Thank you for another uh, couple segments here. We'll have our week seven NFL preview coming up in the one o'clock hour. Go through all the games. Um, not a great card. I was mentioning this earlier, Dan. Uh, Dan Wilson producing now. Uh, not a very uh, not a very good uh, slate of games on Sunday. Have you taken a, a look yet? Have you and Jimmy and Mount Holly done any of your uh, of your of your research, um, you know, going into going into Sunday, I have to say I, I've been disappointed in Jimmy ever since the, oh, the no. Falcons beat because oh, no. he called back to essentially endorse what was then a Giants, I think, plus eight and a half pick against the Rams, which did not go well at all. No, don't bet on the Giants. Come on, Jimmy. He, Jimmy's got no better than that. No, well, I was more so like I was on with Jolly, and he was like, I think the Rams. It was on the road. I'm like, I feel like a home underdog by that much. It wasn't betting on the Giants, but more so like I thought a backdoor cover. I tried to outsmart myself, didn't work out, and I haven't heard from him since. Hmm. I mean, this thing has really just gone off the rails here. Yeah, that's that's not. Come on, Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy's supposed. Jimmy, I mean, I I need more picks. We got to get this thing back on track. And Jimmy is a good handicapper. I mean, there's he no is. question about it. But you go. Through, I, I was ready to stick with it. You go through struggles. Hey, I'm I'm. I'm on a I'm on a pretty good stretch right now, so you might want to you might want to stick with me here, Dan, because I, I've been. Oh, uh, is that right? Your parlays have been. My parlays have been hitting. I don't have a parlay I like tomorrow, really, but I do have a a, a, a bad team that I love tomorrow. Which a it, bad team that you? Yes, love. a bad team that I love. I'll I'll give it to you during our. Preview. All right, I'm intrigued. Yes, but uh, I I and I I think I'm gonna gonna place a little wager on them myself. But you're right; it is a weird NFL. Not a card. good week. Not a good card. I mean. Probably the best game of the day is what Bengals Ravens. That's probably the most entertaining game with two good teams. I mean, when you have like so many massive lines, like the Arizona line is huge. The the Rams the Cardinals Lions, might assuming they don't let down, they might beat the Texans by forty points. They could. I like mean, if if they keep the foot on the gas, they should run them out of the building. Oh, this should be like a, a great spot for Zach Ertz to make his debut. Like if it they should. just feed him and I got and, him going in fantasy tomorrow. It's that's the, the the stock has suddenly gone up. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, the trouble could be Arizona could get up so big early and they're just running the ball, yeah. keeping it away. Yeah, you're right. It is a weird card. Also, I don't know how I feel. This is just a general like Eagles thing. The four oh five start. It's a weird time. Well, and it, and it happens every time they go on the West Coast, and it's not like a prime time America's game of the week, but it's right. kind of annoying because you want to be locked in for the start of the Eagles game, but usually the early games. The witching hour. Yeah, you kind of miss the witching hour. Like, I feel like all NFL games should just start at 425 or 430. I'm not, I, I think I, I'm, I'm out on the 405 start. I agree with that. I agree with that. I don't think, yeah, I think the 405 start is kind of like. It's outlived its 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 usefulness. We don't need it. Anymore. We don't need it anymore. Every game in the early slate starts at one. We don't need the twenty minute difference in yeah. the late window. Yeah, I agree. I don't like the four oh five either, but uh, we'll see uh, how it plays out on Sunday for the Eagles. Let's go to Leon and Dallas. What's up, Leon? Hello. Hey, what's up, Leon? Hey, how's it going, Tom Kelly? How you doing tonight? Good, man. How are you? Doing great. Just playing some Call of Duty Zombies. Oh. But uh, real quick. 
Um, the Sixer game the other night, look, dude, I honestly thought that uh, we blew it. Well, the game was over when, you know, Doc didn't challenge the Danny Green charge. I mean, it was obvious it was a charge. I mean, even the announcers were saying it. Yeah, Leon, that one I didn't have as big a problem with. I had a problem with the out-of-bounds one. Honestly, the Danny Green one, I I actually thought it was a block. But the the, the final two-minute report said that it was a charge. But I I had actually thought it was a block. Okay, well, I thought he was. Well, I thought it was, well, it was a charge as well. But you know, the fact that the team took went on like an eleven to zero, you know, run is just abysmal. I mean, they can't do that in the fourth quarters against good teams. Right. So it's just sad. Uh, and as far as the whole Ben thing, look, you know, I kind of I'm supporting what the Sixers are doing here. You know, we had Daryl Daryl Morey say earlier this week that it could take up to four years and and. And I don't think it'll be that long. But, look, I don't got no problem with it if it was, you know, because, you know, I just hate the fact that players in sports these days, whether it's NFL or NBA, are just taking matters into their own hands and they're not honoring these contracts. And then teams that up getting screwed out of this. So, you know, I'm kind of glad that the Sixers are willing to put their foot down, you know, and this should set the tone for all players. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if five years the new CBA came out with like a Ben Simmons rule where though you have to play for a team, otherwise, you know, there would just be more extreme ramifications. But I'm just glad the Sixers are putting their foot down on this song. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Leon. And what bothers me about it is like some people who, you know, the few that do support Ben Simmons, and I'm not talking about the mental health part of it, but just him wanting to get out of Philadelphia – you know, they'll pass it off as, like, player empowerment. This is not player empowerment. Like, this is just a guy who doesn't want to be in a place trying to force his way out. And that that's not a good precedent to set. Yeah, and the fact that his agent is who he is makes the matters even worse because we've seen it already with New Orleans, and they were forced to trade their star player. So I'm just ready to, to you know, move on. But I don't mind holding this guy for all these years because if he wants to act as a brat, you know, we could treat him – as one, and I honestly don't think this mental health issue is real. It is 100% fabricated. Him and Rich Paul probably sat down and, and they looked at the contract to see which way could they not play, you know, for as long as they could. And this is probably the most easiest way out. So I don't believe none of this mental health stuff. This guy is a fraud, and we'll see you within the next few weeks, but it should get interesting. Yeah, I'll no. But it's like you get interested. But I appreciate it, Tom Kelly. And I'll uh, talk to you next week, bro. Have Sounds a good, good one. Leon. Appreciate it, man. And yeah, I mean, and that's the way a lot of people view it. And the way Ben Simmons has acted lends people to believe that. Like, uh, you know, and it does seem like this could just be the latest ploy to try to get his money and not play, which we know has been Ben Simmons' objective the entire time. Let's go to Jim in the Northeast. What's up, Jim? Hey, I uh, hope you're doing well tonight. Um, I want to talk about the Braves and then Simmons at uh, near the end. Yeah, sure. um, what I wanted to talk about the Braves is what I was amazed about. I mean, I, we had to congratulate them and everything because they did win it and they obviously deserved it. But it, it shows you how intelligent and, and and a good general manager they have to get a guy like a Rosario to get a Duval, to get a, a, a Soler. And then their bullpen at, at the last few innings was absolutely fantastic. I mean, they struck out the side and all with, with a guy on second and third. I mean, and what the reason why I bring that up, it's just so embarrassing when we see the incompetence from 
our owner to our general manager to the president. Well, okay, the president hasn't been there that long, so they say we have to give him leeway. But if he makes stupid and dumb moves for, before the beginning of the season, then we'll know. If he makes some smart moves and can be a little competitive, then we'll give Dombrowski the the kudos they should get. But what amazes me is you you turn around and get a Rosario. It, it look what he did tonight. Well, I, he had a home run. Jim, I mean, it's amazing. Rosario, Duval, Soler. They got a bunch of guys that came in and helped them. All they got but, pretty cheap, and all the Eagles or, or the Phillies uh, could have could have used as well. It's very frustrating. Right. Well, well, let me answer this about Duval. I know he was with Cincinnati and 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 Miami. Did he make a lot of money? I mean, how could the Phillies not go get someone like him because he had killed the Phillies? In the park, I mean, is there an issue that he floated to four or five different teams to fall, or do you know anything I, about Jim, that? I don't know. I mean, I know he hasn't always been the guy that he was going over to Atlanta, but I don't know why he's moved around so much, and um, it's just frustrating because it feels like the Phillies weren't genuine. Like, they did a couple things at the at the deadline, but they weren't genuine about really trying to improve this team. And, and what, what, yep, and how about Morton? Look what he did this whole series and the season. And instead of getting a, um, a Matt Moore at a Chase Anderson, and maybe uh, and they could uh, not sign somebody else, they they could have combined all that money and got a Morton or something. I mean, I mean, it, 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 it's just so frustrating. It is, you know. But anyway, my comment about Ben Ben Simmons is, of course, I feel he's also faking the mental illness. I know somebody had it. They can get even suicidal and everything. But that's beside the point. The the thing is, he should he should look at the ways uh, Zach Ernst handled it. Zach Ernst knew he was going to be traded. He didn't have animosity. He didn't. Uh, he acted. Like a professional, he played his last game. He was very professional, and all you could do is wish Zach Ernst uh, good health, good luck, and everything like that. Ben Simmons should take a a, a look at that example. You know what yeah. I mean? No, no doubt about it, Jim. And I appreciate the call and thanks. And yeah, I mean, Zach Ertz is one of a kind, and the way Zach Ertz handled his situation is unique. I mean, many guys aren't going to handle it with that kind of professionalism. And yeah, I mean, the, the Simmons thing has been incredibly frustrating and wish I could tell you it's going to end sometime soon uh, with him either coming back to the floor or getting traded. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. Buckle Two, up, Tom. Four years. Yeah. <laughs> 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. When we get back, we'll get back to the Eagles and we will uh, hear somewhat Nick Sirianni had to say this week. Uh, leading up to this game. We'll get to that when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly. Open lines right now if you want to get in right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another hour here until 2 a.m. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. It's how you get in. We're talking about a number of different things. Obviously, the latest Ben Simmons um, stuff, Sixers losing to the Nets last night. Joel Embiid questionable for Sunday night with a knee issue. And by the way, that's just not great um, that you're already dealing with Joel Embiid injury problems um, at this point in the season. Uh, not ideal. So 
talking about that, Eagles-Raiders coming up on Sunday. Um, and whether the Eagles can win this game. Because, you know, the the line is odd. Like, I personally, like, I, I think the Eagles keep it close. Um, but I'm surprised that the Raiders aren't more heavily favored here. And, uh, you know, Darren Waller could be out. That's obviously a significant blow to the Raiders if he can't play. Um, but for the Eagles to do something this season, winning this game will put them in a, in a hell of a position. Like, as bad as it's looked, as frustrating as it's been, you win this game, you're 3-4 and four, with a trip to Detroit looming next week. You look at the remainder of the schedule. This team has a lot of winnable games left on their schedule. Now, I don't think they'll win all of those games, but when you look at Washington twice, the Giants twice, the Jets, you know, a Saints team at home, which who knows what the Saints are. I don't think they're all that good. Like, these are winnable games remaining on the schedule. Denver, like, the schedule really lightens up now. The Eagles are through the most difficult part of their schedule. And when you look at the most difficult games they have remaining – I think you would say, you know, it probably goes Dallas, Chargers, and then this game. So uh, the Eagles do have several winnable games remaining if they can find a way uh, to win this one. Uh, that would put them in a hell of a position and put them right back in the mix uh, to make the playoffs as a, as a potential wild card. 215-592-9494. Open lines right now if you want to join. Um, and we were mocking Penn State a little earlier as – that's become like my favorite thing on on Saturdays to do is uh, they lose a nine overtime game to Illinois, who Illinois I forgot they honestly still had a football team. They're, they they are pretty much the uh, laughing stock of the Big Ten. Penn State had their quarterback this time, so I don't know what the excuses from the Nittany Lion fans. Cause I haven't heard any Nittany Lion fans tonight. Very surprising. The, the phone line's not working in Happy yeah. Valley at this hour for whatever reason. Shocking that tonight I have not heard from any Penn State fans is I guess they realize they're frauds and uh you know their coach who for some reason keeps getting mentioned as a replacement for some of these top jobs is a fraud um and it, it does bring me joy to see Penn State lose uh but I I did want to get to Nick Sirianni here is this is really the story of the game on Sunday and really the rest of the season like 11 games left and like, I would obviously believe that, that the Eagles' intentions would be to bring Nick Sirianni back next year. But if the offense keeps looking as inept as it has, it's going to be tough to do that. And you look at where this team is right now, and the offensive plays have been a major issue. And this team has struggled to move the ball, certainly the last few weeks. Here's Nick Sirianni on, you know, having to deviate from his game plan once you get through those first uh, 15 scripted plays. When you go through a game, you don't want to just say, you, you don't want to go through, you always you always script your first 10 to 15, but that doesn't mean you always stick to that, right? You, you go through a drive, you say, hey, are they still playing us the way we thought? And sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is no after after one drive. But you don't you don't say like, well, that that that's automatically what they're doing. It might just have been something that they start with, like, um, and then you go through another drive, and you're and you're trying to get these answers through your first first fifteen. And like, it's frustrating because Nick Sirianni has been very slow to adjust this year. I think we can all tell that. Where you know the Eagles go in with the game plan, and hey, when their game plan 
seems to be working, they look pretty good. Whether it's Atlanta, Kansas City, when their game plan is accurate, they are able to have success. The problem is they don't deviate from the game plan as quickly as they need to in a a lot of situations. And, you know, it doesn't give you a lot of faith there when Sirianni kind of, you know, says they don't want to adjust too quickly. Well, sometimes you need to. And when you look at the situations the Eagles have gotten in and part of their offensive struggles, a lot of it comes down to the fact that they're just putting themselves in bad down and distant situations. And they're faced with a lot of third and longs because they're not picking up yardage on first and second down. Here's Sirianni on uh, the Eagles need to be more efficient in those uh, areas. When you're getting first and second down and you're and you're and you're starting slow, um, which I feel like we've done obviously the last couple weeks, then you know you're into third down and then maybe you're punting or you're into a new set of downs. Like you want to be more efficient on first and second down to feel how they're going to play you. And when we started slow, like it takes a little, you know, if you're three and out, it takes a couple possessions for you to figure it out because you're not getting enough plays. So we just got to be better on first and second down, especially early in the game, so we can make those adjustments even quicker. But again, and not to, you know, keep yelling about running the ball, but you want to put yourself in better third down situations. A way to do that is to run the ball more on first and second down. Like pass plays typically are not just going to pick up, you know, five, six yards. Like if you're throwing the ball, you're typically looking to throw for first downs. You got to get yardage on those downs to put yourself in third and manageable situations. And when you look at Jalen Hurts, it's another area where I think it's really unfair to him and hard to properly evaluate him, where he's consistently in these spots where he's in third and eight, third and 10, third and 11. Quarterbacks are not going to have success when they're consistently in those situations. And a lot of this, and what I'm most interested in with Sirianni, is to see how this offense can look different this week, where they've had that extra time to go through and see what they've done wrong the last two weeks with the offense playing as poorly as it has. Here's Sirianni on that self-scouting process. And I won't tell you the studies I, I did of, of some of those other things of, of that, but, you know, we were able to look at some things of, you know, maybe where we felt like we had a weakness and study, the study you know, what we've done in the past as a team um, and some teams that we deem good at the things that we, are, we, are being, that we had a weakness on. And so that was valuable, obviously, the, the self-scout on that, but it was also valuable to be able to do some studies on things that we deemed ourselves you know, when we looked at ourselves, Scott, and said, we're not, we're not great at this. Let's, how are we getting this better? And it's also going to be interesting from the perspective of, you know, not panicking. Because Nick Sirianni, obviously, this is a high-profile, difficult job. And he's taking a lot of heat. And you don't want to let that kind of seep in a locker room. And you, don't, you want urgency, but you don't want panic, if that, if that makes sense. Here's Sirianni on learning uh, to have that kind of steady hand in the locker room. I can't let myself, as bad as I feel after a loss, as good as I feel after a win, I can't let myself get on the roller coaster of what this this league could potentially be. I have to stay steady and focus on the process that we want to do, and that's just getting better every single day. And, and, and getting better every single day to put yourself in a position on Sunday to go one and know that day. And so that's that's been my biggest takeaway as a leader and and really that's the biggest thing I took away this week uh, as a leader um, and as a, as a head football coach. And, you know, you look at the, uh, the, the, the kind of 
impatience that's growing within the fan base. And that's going to happen when you have a when you have a coach who is struggling and a coach who doesn't look like he really knows what he's doing at times. Here's Sirianni on how he deals with that impatience. I understand the impatience. We, we all want to win. We, we all want to win right now. And when you're not winning, you're going you're gonna to get impatient. But again, like I said, I can't let myself ride the highs and lows. If I ride the highs and lows, the rest of the team will hide, ride the highs and lows. I have to stay steady. I have to stick to what I know is when, in times of adversity, I always heard, I've always thought that you double down on what you know is true. And, you know, hopefully this strategy that, that, Sirianni has will will pay dividends but you look at last week and one of the I guess benefits of not playing on Sundays you can see what's going on around the league maybe take ideas from that here's Sirianni on uh, whether his coaches did that last week the other thing that you always value on a pseudo bye week is the ability to watch games other teams play games you know you know almost it's not like a fan I I feel like I I can't be like a fan and just be watching it because I'm always looking at different scenarios and different situations so I'm looking at it and like you know you go through the the football IQ parts of it and you know I guess you watch other games you can take things that other teams do but what's concerning to me is some of the teams Nick Sirianni seems to be keeping an eye on and um here was Sirianni first talking about uh, you know, he and his coaches, what they were uh, talking to each other about during the games last Sunday. You're on these group text messages with all the offensive coaches or all the defensive coaches or all special teams coaches, and you real and everyone's just talking like, "Hey, did you see what? Um, did you see what Bevel did in in Jacksonville? Hey, did you see?" And I'm just trying to think of other things that came up, you know. And did you see what what Cleveland did on this one? And so it, that that's that's a big process. And, you know, I don't know if you're looking for teams to emulate. I'm not sure the Jacksonville Jaguars would be one that you would want. Sirianni, once again, you know, mentioned they're keeping their eye on Jacksonville for some reason. Yeah, that Jacksonville one. I, I don't want to give away. I mean, maybe I can tell you guys that off the record on the side, but that Jacksonville one was interesting. It it, cre- it, it, uh, it spurred a lot of thought on both the offense and defensive sides. Like, that wasn't one where I was just texting Shane and, and, and Brian and Kevin and the offensive coaches. You know, I was texting Gannon and, his def- and the defensive coaches too. Is that concerning at all that he seems like he wants to emulate Urban Meyer and what he's doing down in Jacksonville? It may explain why the team looks the way that it does. Yeah, uh, not not great, um, but hopefully the Eagles do make adjustments and, and the offense looks better because uh, it's been bad the last couple of weeks. Uh, let's go to Sean in Tampa. What's up, Sean? Hey, how you guys doing? How you doing tonight? Not bad. What's up, man? Not much. So I did suffer watching that Penn State game, and oh. I will tell you this. Clifford should have not have been playing. He is still hurt, and you can tell by the way he was throwing – that he should have not have been in that game at all. And that is what really hurt them. That defense plays outstanding and plays as good as it can. But when you're left on the field as much as you they were today because their offense couldn't get going partially because Clifford couldn't throw the ball or hit his spots like he normally would, they had no chance. Well, lo- losing, losing to Illinois, that's pretty embarrassing, Sean. I mean, oh, that's, yeah, a, that's, right. a, that's a really poor effort right there. Well, again, yeah, the defense did everything they could, and they were just dead. They were worn out. I'm surprised any of them could still walk after that game. But that offense was just they, – they, you had a bye week. Basically, they had their bye week. They had time to put in another quarterback for just this game just to make sure Clifford was 100, as close to 100% as possible for the Ohio State game next week. 
and they would have won. But James Franklin and his wisdom uh, didn't do that. And now you're probably going to have a chance where Clifford might not be able to finish a game next week against Ohio State. Honestly, and honestly Sean, season. I would just, I would just, I would sit Clifford next. They're not beating Ohio State. They got no chance. No, to beat Ohio State. no, no, they're not. not especially now, you know, because part of their game was Clifford actually running the ball was part of their game plan when uh, he was healthy, and now you know he's not healthy because you know he's not going to run. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like you cut off part of your offense, and James Franklin doesn't make change. Doesn't the guy? He can pre-plan. He can recruit but when it comes to game time management so as a Penn nah. State guy Sean are you ready to move on from James Franklin listen if Southern if he goes to Southern Cal I won't cry okay <laughs> there you go uh, you got something on the Eagles for me yeah you know I think that I, I would like to see them run less RPOs because when it comes to the RPOs they know every it, it seems like 90% of the chance time Hurts is just keeping the ball and running it just sit back there, simplify the offense, give it just hand the ball off to the running back. If you want to call a screen every once in a while, just simplify the game plan. That's all you have to do right now. Right. And the, and and just hand the ball off. You know, you want to run the ball, run the ball. Don't try to be fancy. Yeah, no, I got be- you, Sean. And, and yeah, I appreciate it, man. And I agree. Like and this is where Sirianni doesn't make a lot of sense when he says, oh, well, we run the RPOs because that's easier for Jalen Hurts. He doesn't have to make as many as many decisions. Like, you're making him make a decision on every single play by doing that. Like, sometimes it is as simple as just call a run play. Like, just call a run play where you're just handing the ball off, and that's a true breather for a quarterback, as he says. He says he thinks, like, the RPOs and – screenplays are breathers for the quarterback? Like, no. Like, running the ball is a breather for the quarterback. And you don't have to be 50-50. You don't have to have a run-pass equal balance. But it needs to – you need to utilize the run game to give your quarterback a rest. And for a young quarterback who's struggling, that can be very useful. I get if it's not your core philosophy, and it doesn't need to be. But you got to understand that it does have value sometimes, and, and Nick Sirianni doesn't really seem to understand that. Let's go to Bob in Springfield. What's up, Bob? Hey, Tom. How's it going, man? I'm all right. Yeah, big, How are you? big fan of your stuff when, whenever you're on here. Thanks, man. Um, so, you know, with, with Penn State, you know, they lost. Uh, it, it's it's ridiculous that they were a 23-and-a-half point, you know, 24-point uh, favorite there, really? but, that's how big a favorite they were. I didn't even realize. That. I do. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. But the the big the big takeaway I have with that is going into the overtime like that. I don't know who voted to make the overtime. You know, like the two point conversion right away. Like I, I'm sure you remember the the old college overtime where it just kind of kept going. Right. And I think after the third overtime. It would be yeah, you got to go for two. Right, like I, right. I, I get that, but then nowadays, with you know the one play back and forth, I just I don't I don't understand who who voted for that. I get that they're trying to speed the game up and everything, but that I, I don't know. Like if you're going to do that, take away take away the field goal option for the first you know right. two overtimes right. or whatever it is. Right, because yeah, you like you said, Bob, like. That puts you in a situation where getting to that two-point conversion 
uh, battle is pretty likely when you have a field goal as part of the mix in the first two. I agree. I, I think I think the way you got to go about it is you you go back to the old system basically, but you just eliminate field goals, and and I think that would really. Uh, go a long way to to fix the issue because that, that's not football, what they were doing in those third through ninth overtimes. It's a coin flip. Yeah. It's, exactly it's legitimately it a coin flip at that point. You know, like, I mean, obviously, like what Sean was saying before this, like Clifford was hurt. He, he probably shouldn't have been playing that game. Yeah, he had two weeks to prepare. But, like, I I just don't – I don't understand. Like, whoever voted for that, like, what, what, are, what are you doing? No, that's stupid. I, just, I don't understand it. I didn't even you know, know it, Bob because I, I was wondering. I was with. I'm with you, Tom. I had no idea. I'm watching the game and I was like, "When the like? When did this happen?" Well, that's the thing. I didn't <laughs> understand because I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch the game, and I see the final score is 20 to 18 in nine overtimes, and I'm like, "Which is a weird score, right?" I'm like, "Did, <laughs> did these teams with. just like not score at all in overtime?" And then you know, I heard about the rule, and it's a it's a really stupid rule. Yeah, so. no, I I was new to the rule at at the time too. It just it it, it it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make sense for for football. You right. know what I mean? Like at that point, you just just play an NFL overtime, right? You know, yeah. You know, get get two possessions. If you don't score, then the next score wins. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's that simple. Yeah, you know, especially for college with the college football playoff and everything like that. It, it it's just it. I don't know. It, it just doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense. Let me pick your brain about the Eagles. Sure. Real quick. So we have we have Eagles, Eagles Vegas, and then the following week we got Detroit. I mean, if they don't, I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about Jalen Hurts at this point. If he doesn't like he he looks good statistically, but like so does Dak Prescott. So I mean, like what what do you what do you really make of it? Yeah, I you mean, know? right. And Bob, you. We need to see more from Jalen Hurts. He needs to play better. He Absolutely. hasn't played well the last couple of weeks. But I would just like I would like to see Sirianni actually put him in better situations. And then if he plays poorly, sure. it's like fine. Then you know maybe he's not the guy. But right now, like it's hard for me to even evaluate him because of the spot Sirianni's putting him in. Right. Even with last week against Tampa, like you know, I was at the game. I'm a season ticket holder, but. Like I was there, and you know, stupidly, I'm like, oh, we're we're in this. Like we we got this. But the situ the situational ball was just not great. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're kind of ha- they're hanging them out there to dry. Yeah, it, it just it doesn't make any sense. No, it, it definitely, <laughs> Bob. And I appreciate it, man. And thank you for the call. And yeah, I think that's that's a big problem. And like, and again, like I don't know if Hertz is the guy. I don't know what he's capable of, but. I'd like to have a better understanding, and right now it's hard to even get that understanding with with what Sirianni is doing uh, offensively. Let's get Lee in here from Elkins Park. What's up, Lee? Hey, how you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, I want to talk about the Sixers. Okay. Um, see, what I'm looking at with the Sixers is all right. Let me point out something real quick. Okay, I don't really see a big drop off defensively. Okay, they. You know, they. I know there's only two games, um, but if you notice, the Pelicans didn't even score 100 points. Then the Nets they turned it on at the end, but if you if you watch the Sixers, right, I, I still believe even let's just let's just assume that even if they didn't have a problem with Ben Simmons, right, I would still contemplate trading him if everything was well for Damian Lillard or somebody of that stature. You know why? Because what's missing 
is if you watch them at the end of the games, even in the playoffs against um, Atlanta, when everything's going well and they play defense, it's, it, you know, it, they, 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 they're, they're good. But if you notice, when they get tight and, the, and they play a real good team and, and they get hot scoring, I don't think we have that 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 closer, that Kobe Bryant type Mamba killer mentality at the end of the game. Like 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 if you had a Damian Lillard and like last night game, for example, or the Atlanta in the playoffs, perfect example, you can give the ball to somebody like Damian Lillard and just move out the way because he's gonna will you to victory, like Allen Iverson. Right. Like the way this team is built right now. They, they can win games, a lot of games, but when they play some real good teams and they get hot near the end, it just seems like they haven't got that person yet to step up to close the games because I don't see a big drop-off defensively. What do you see? Yeah, I mean, Lee, that that's exactly what the problem is, and I appreciate it, man. And It's, it's the issue that the Sixers are going to have until they can find a way to get that top perimeter score. And, and like – it's why Daryl Morey's got to hold out, and it's why he's – I don't know how he's going to get this guy. And uh, Damon Lillard, I think those dreams are, are done. Uh, Bradley Beal, unless something crazy happens, you're not getting him. But you need to find a way to get somebody to help Joel Embiid because, let's face it, Tobias Harris is not, is not that guy. Like, he's never going to be that guy. He had the best season he'll have last year, and he got to the playoffs, and he let you down. Like, Tobias Harris is a number three option at best – um, on like a championship level team, he's probably not even your number three scoring option. He's probably your number four. But like, th- and Joel Embiid, and I know he takes criticism sometimes. And last year in the Atlanta series, had turnovers in the fourth quarter and and didn't play great. But they ask him to do so much. Like they're asking him basically their offense down the stretch every night is give the ball to Embiid and you know pray that he just you know makes magic happen. And you just, for a guy, especially like Embiid, who is a a big man, it's very difficult for him to do that. He's not a Kevin Durant type. He's not that kind of guy who can just, you know, play along the perimeter and do all this this other stuff. Um, You just can't ask that much of him. And when you have guys taking big shots like Danny Green and you know, and, and Seth Curry, like those guys play, play roles. They're, they're good role players, but um, they're not guys you can count on down the stretch. And until the Sixers find some way to get a perimeter player who they can pair with Embiid, they're not going to be a legit championship contender, regardless of what their record says they are. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in uh, Ryan, I see there when we get back, we'll do our uh, week seven NFL preview. Uh, as well. So that's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Time for our NFL Week 7 preview. Go through all the games for tomorrow um, and give you our selections. Um, We'll start with Probably the matchup of the day, Bengals and Ravens. Um, Bengals coming in, I believe, 4-2. and two. Ravens, I believe, 5-1. and one. Uh, I'll pull the exact um, That's records correct, up yeah. here. Okay, that's what I thought. But uh, Bengals taking on the Ravens of Baltimore. Ravens, 6.5-point favorites. Um, I think this is going to be a pretty competitive game. 
Uh, I'm going to pick the Ravens here 30-27. to 27. I also think it'll be high scoring. Yeah, the, the over-under for that, I think, is a little low at 45-and-a-half. Um, but I like the Ravens 30-27. I, I think the Bengals cover the 6-and-a-half, though. Yeah, it does feel like that spread is a little lofty, especially for how well the Bengals have played this season. Uh, I do like the Ravens in this game. They're coming off. I mean, they have looked really, really good. I thought a huge statement win, like just blowing the Chargers out of the building last week, and they got another home game. So other than maybe a letdown after that, which I don't anticipate, they haven't lost since week one to the Raiders, ironically. Uh, I expect them to win this game, but you're right. That spread does seem a little lofty. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the six and a half. Yeah. I'm going with the, with a Bengals cover there. Uh, next up, uh, in New York giants hosting the Panthers, Panthers three and three giants, one and five. Now the Panthers, uh, after getting off to what did they, were they off to a three and O star? I believe they were. They were, yes, they were three and zero, and or, they've lost each of their last three. No, never mind. They were two and one, I think, because they lost the saints. No, week I, two. I have it. They beat the jets week one. Saints week two. Oh, they beat the Saints, did they? Texans huh. week three. Lost in Dallas. Lost okay. to the Eagles. Lost last week to the Vikings. Correct. That's yeah. right. They were three and zero. So I don't think the Panthers are that good. I, you know, how I feel about the Giants. Um, but I don't know. Panthers are three point favorites on the road. I kind of have a weird feeling that Joe Judge. Uh, this is the weird feeling I had a few weeks ago. Yeah. I, I, I already got burned by the Giants. I'm taking the Panthers. I don't know. I'm going to take the Giants here. You I'll told say... me to not bet on the Giants ever yeah. earlier in the well, same I, show. I'm not, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not. You're not actually doing on. it. No, yeah. no, no, no. Just the it's feeling that I have. I'm yeah. staying away from this game. But I would say uh, 24-21 Giants. I have a weird feeling. You got a weird feeling they win tomorrow. Weird Interesting. feeling they win. All right. Well, I will take the Panthers. Even bad teams luck into some wins every now and then. Uh, next up in Green Bay, Packers hosting the Washington football team. Uh, eight and a half point spread in favor of Green Bay in this one. And this is another kind of weird game. I think Green Bay kind of sleepwalks through it a little bit. think they win it. I'll go Packers 27-20, but wouldn't be surprised if Washington uh, covers this spread. I'll take them to blow them out. I think the Packers have looked really, really good. Really impressed with them, quite frankly. Uh, the fact that... Aaron Rodgers, like people thought he might not play for the Packers this year, seems like a distant memory that happened years ago, at least as of right now. They have looked maybe like the best team in the NFC, and I expect them to, quite frankly, blow Washington out here. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. I For some reason, I just think Washington can keep that one close. Next up in Tennessee, Chiefs and Titans. Titans coming off that big Monday night win. They really needed that game against the Bills, uh, hosting the Chiefs, who have not looked great. Uh, Chiefs four-point favorites on the road, and I uh, I like Tennessee in this game. I'll take Tennessee 29-24 to pull the upset. I think I do, too. Are you surprised that the Chiefs are favored by that much, especially on the road? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a, uh, you know, uh, kind of just the, the, the fact that they are the Chiefs. Like, the fact that they have played poorly uh, this year. Like people think they're due for a bounce back. Right, yeah. right. People just kind of, like... I guess still hanging on to what the Chiefs have been, but they don't look right this year. They just don't look no, right. No, they haven't thus far. Titans plus the points seems like a pretty good bet. Now, usually when I have a instinct like that, it's generally the wrong one. Right. But my, my I, I think I agree with you. I think I like the Titans here definitely against the spread, maybe even to win. Yeah, I think the Titans win this game. Next up, and I think this is my play of the day. I actually kind of – have a this is another one with a, a kind of a feeling. Um, the Dolphins hosting the Falcons. Falcons giving up one and a half on the road. 
but I don't think either of these teams are any good. I'll go with the home team. I'll take the Dolphins to win this one. I'll say 26-23 Dolphins. Are you actually, you're putting this one I in? am. I'm going to I'm going to bet on the Dolphins. Be- oh, oh, that sentence, you know. I know. It's, it's scary, not great. But, I don't I know mean, when you bet on bad teams, bad things happen in games like these. I, this is a stay away game for me. I'll take I'll, I'll take the, I'll actually take the Falcons to win a close game. I think both of these teams stink. The Falcons are probably a little bit better, but I'm not going to be surprised either way. Like, this could be a game late where it's close. It's going to be a low-scoring game, and both teams are turning the ball over, like, twice in the fourth quarter or something weird like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I just – I think the Dolphins are due. I don't think the Falcons are any good. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll give the Dolphins the victory there. Next up, Jets and Patriots. Um, Patriots giving up seven at home to the Jets. Uh, Patriots I, haven't been great in terms of – the Jets are so bad. Beating though. teams yeah. that are, are supposed to, like, the, the Patriots struggled with the Texans a few weeks ago. I'll take the Patriots 20-16, to 16, but I think the Jets cover the cover the seven here. I'll take the Pats to win. I wouldn't even go as far to say, look, I mean, the Jets are just so bad. Like, they are, if you ever actually sit down and watch the Jets, which I, which I try not to do too often, but when they right. go to them on red zone or anything like that, like, they are just a dreadful team to watch. They did get that win against the Titans, but they lost by a full touchdown to the Falcons last week. No faith that they'll win this game. I know the Patriots are not the Patriots, and they're 2-4, and four and they haven't looked all that great, but this game is in Foxborough. I'll take the Pats, and I'll even say they cover. Okay. Next up, in L.A., the Jared Goff revenge game, I guess. Um, or well, Matt also Stafford. Stafford yeah. Both of them, yeah. I, I would favor um, Stafford to be more likely to get revenge here. Uh, Rams, 15.5-point favorites. I'll take the Rams. I'll say 34-24. The lines have been typically competitive, um, and, and I'd expect them to cover 15-and-a-half. That's a, that's a big spread. You are right. Like, the Lions got blown out last week by the Bengals, but most of their scores have been – I think every other game they've had this season has been one possession. Maybe there was a two-possession game in there. They probably cover that spread, but definitely like the Rams to win. I mean, the Lions are just flat out outmatched. They've had a couple brutal losses, just brutal. Yeah, you know, they just find ways to lose games. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, next up, Eagles, Raiders, and Vegas. I give you my pick. I'm saying Raiders 23-20, um, but I definitely think this is a game the Eagles can win. What What is your pick for? The I got a. I haven't picked the Eagles since Week One. Hmm. Now the only pick I've missed so far this season was the Carolina game. And this game feels oddly similar to me. Yes, Derek Carr is better than Sam Darnold. Something weird's going to have to happen. But the strengths of the Raiders this year, like, oddly play into the Eagles' hands in a number of respects. You mentioned the injury to Darren Waller, but they've actually guarded tight ends, like, pretty well this season. Tra- Travis Kelsey didn't do a whole lot against them. And who am I blanking on? There was another game in there where they played a big-time tight end. Kittle. Think, yeah, George Kittle yeah. didn't play that well against them either. Henry Ruggs and that offense gets a lot of big plays, which if this defense does anything well, it's defend against that. For whatever the fans are worth, I and mean, it looks like there's going to be a very, very solid Eagles crowd out there tomorrow, I have a weird feeling they come back with a win here. I think it'll be a close, exciting game. But I am going on record and saying I'm picking the Eagles to win this game. I'll say, I'll say they win 26-23. Okay. Uh, sounds good. That would be obviously make for a very happy night tomorrow. Uh, next up, Tampa Bay hosting Chicago. Tampa Bay giving up 11.5 at home. This is another one where I think Chicago is competitive here. I'll take the Bucks. I'll say 31-24. I, I think the Bears cover 
the 11 and a half, I don't like all the all the huge spreads this week. There's a lot of lopsided matchups this yeah. week that make it just very, very difficult to bet. And some of those lines, I believe, have moved to that point as well. I'll take the Bucks to win. I don't generally like saying a team's going to win by that much, but I actually think they will cover it. I think they'll win by two touchdowns. The Bears, while they have been in competitive games this so far this season, you are right about that. They just don't, like, they lost a 10-point game to Green Bay last. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they covered, but I'll say the Bucks do cover this. I, I think they are just flat out better than the Bears, and maybe the Bucks defense forces a couple turnovers, and Brady, you know, puts them away, so it's a comfortable fourth quarter. Sounds good. Next up in Arizona, another huge spread here. Um, Cardinals giving up 17 and a half uh, to the Texans at home. And I mean, I don't, I'd like the Cardinals to win and cover. I, I, the Texans are I that think the bad. Cardinals, assuming they try, which they, we've not right. seen, or like just put the foot on the gas as they should, they should win this game by like 35 points. I'll say, I'll say Cardinals 41 22. I don't know, just because they'll let up and the Texans will score be able late. to do some things. Yeah. It should really be like 45 to 10 or right. some crazy score like that. This is my survivor pick of the week. Same I'm, with me. I, yeah. yeah. So I, the Cardinals have been playing so well, you almost feel like... I, I don't like saving teams. That's one thing I don't like doing because I'd be kicking myself if a game this seemingly easy was there and I didn't pick it. So sometimes when the easy pick is looking you in the face, you just have to take it and survive another week. So I do not... This is probably the most confident I've been about a survivor pick in quite some time. I and mean, it's the it's literally might be the NFL's best and worst on the same field. Yeah, definitely. And next up, Sunday night football, Carson Wentz and the Colts going to San Francisco take on the 49ers. Now, I was very high on the 49ers to, to begin the year. I picked them to uh, win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, they are giving up four and a half at home, but I just I like I don't the like the way they that. played. Yeah. I, I hate I to the, do this. I've taken you're, Carson you're to win the game. 23-20 Colts. At the very least, I think I would take the Colts plus the points. Like I think it's like a field goal either way this game. Both of these teams have been bad. This is a bad Sunday night game. San Fran just they just don't look right. Like they they've dealt I thought, you know, coming back healthy and they have not been healthy. They've dealt with injury issues again. They just they just do not appear to be in a good spot. Now here's the question. So we have this on Sunday night. We obviously have the Sixers playing, tipping off during like the fourth quarter of the Eagles game. But do you watch Sunday night football or Will you be watching the season debut? Of Curb. Oh, nice, nicely done, Dan. Tom Tomorrow at 10.30. I'll save Curb for Monday morning when I get home from work. That's what I'm going to do. That way, I have a little carrot to look forward to. I'll be on the air all night tomorrow night. I'll get home and I'll watch Curb when I get home in the morning. You'll watch Curb. Yeah, I will be here at the station, so I will not be watching it live either. But I feel like... I mean, it's live sports versus the season debut of a TV show and the way people watch TV now anyway. You binge and you watch later anyway. But I think Curb is better than the Sunday night game, quite frankly. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely better than Sixers Thunder. Uh, and then Monday night, Saints Seahawks. Uh, this is uh, not a very entertaining game. Geno Smith versus Jameis Winston. Um, Saints four-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't know. I, I'll, take, I'll take the Seahawks in a primetime game at home. You know, 25-21. I, I just, I don't believe in Jameis at all. I So you believe in Geno Smith? I don't I mean, believe in Geno Smith either, but Seattle at home, you know, just like my... And it's funny because the Saints are favored by, depending on where you look, like four, four and a half on the road. Right. Just like my rationale that I gave you um, a couple weeks ago where there's some games like with Tomlin that you just know he's going to find a way to win. This is like a Pete Carroll game. Like, Pete Carroll finds a way to get his guys fired up and win this game.
That's the way I view this one. At the very least, I think picking them to cover the spread yeah. is probably – I'm surprised that the line is where that is. I'll agree with you. I'll say the Saints win this game. I, or it's not, not the Saints. The Seahawks win this game, rather. And I definitely think that they cover that spread at home with those fans on Monday night. It seems like it's not too often the Seahawks are underdogs at home like that. But no. Like here that. we are because they don't. They have Geno Smith instead of Russell Wilson. Yeah. Well, that, that's the Week Seven preview. Just not a, not excited for this day of football. I'm not gonna lie. I'm excited for the Eagles to be back playing, but the rest of the games just not not very. I don't not, have get, a, not really uh, exhilarating for you. I don't have a fun Sunday planned. I'm not gonna lie to you. I have uh, these family photos I got to go do in the morning. So. Oh, that sounds right up your alley. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was I, I was initially, and I just like I could be in Vegas right now, but I'm not. Um, what, did you try and push for the Vegas uh, trip? Well, my friends and I had been in the preliminary stages of planning a Vegas trip, and then my brother bailed out last minute, and, like, the whole thing fell apart, and I'm just, like, extremely depressed How many right people now. were supposed to go on the trip? Like, you know, six or seven people. And so, it just why, kinda, so your brother bailed, and that was it? It just kind of, yeah, it just kind of fell apart. I don't know. And now but, you're taking family photos? Yes. Is this, like, just you, your wife, and the baby? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. It was supposed to just be the baby. I was told at first I would not need to go. And then, it was and then your wife said you need to be a family photo, and now you're going to be there. Yeah, that maybe I should be in some of the photos, whatever. But uh, that, that's what I got I'm sure you'll have a gripe about it tomorrow. I'm sure I will. <laughs> uh, but uh, when we get back, we'll wrap things up, turn it over to Ryan Rothstein. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WYP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. So we wrap up the show here, uh, turn things over to Ryan Rothstein in a minute. Uh, obviously, a lot of Eagles uh, tonight that we have um, been uh, discussing uh, with them being back on the field. Raiders today, 405 right here on WIP. Make sure you're tuned in for that. I'll be on tomorrow night overnight uh, after the game. We'll sure, sure we'll break everything down, look at uh, everything that happened in week seven, um, I like the Raiders in this one 23 to 20, but I do think it's a, an absolutely winnable game for the Eagles. And, you know, it's one of those games where if the Eagles can find a way to win it, this season has some juice again. Like, I, I really do believe that if they can find a way to pull this one out, I don't know if, if you know, people will necessarily be optimistic about where they're headed. Um, but it would certainly give you a little bit more hope that, that something could be accomplished this season. Um, because, obviously, we talk so much about it, and, and it's more about the long term with this team. But if they can find a way to get this game, you know, with all the bad teams they have left on their schedule, it makes eight, nine wins more of a, a realistic possibility. Um, considering you got the Lions, you got the the two with Washington, two with the Giants, you got the Jets, you got the Saints, Denver. Like, you got a lot of beatable teams remaining on your schedule, and winning this one would go a long way uh, to putting the Eagles back in that mix. Also been talking about the Sixers, all of the Ben Simmons stuff. Uh, so uh, a lot that we got into throughout the course of the show tonight. Uh, up next, Ryan Rothstein. He will take you the rest of the way into Sunday morning. Uh, Ryan, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? What's happening? Uh, not too much, you know, just, uh, breaking down this Eagles game, Sixers, um, 
And as we look at this game, what are you looking for from the Eagles on Sunday? What do you want to see more than anything as, as you know, they try to get back on track? I want to see hope. I, I need hope from Nick Sirianni. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm out on him. You know, you and I talked about it the other night, I think, for a couple minutes. It's just you got to run the damn football. Like you, and you have an opportunity here against this team, only a three-point spread. There's a lot of the you know pundits, experts picking the Eagles. You feel like for whatever reason they have a really good chance in this game. Forget winning and losing. Keep it close and just show show progress. Right? Like that's what we all want to see, especially on offense. Yeah, and defensively, I mean, if Waller doesn't play, that's that's huge. I mean, he is he's a beast, that guy. Yeah. And you know. I think this is a real interesting test for Sirianni because you get the extra rest. You have that 10 days to where you should be able to really modify the offense now. If they come back out and it looks the same, that is going to be major red flags. Absolutely. And like we joked the other night, and we're joking, but we're serious. Like Nick Sirianni got off the hook with this Ben Simmons stuff. So if and when they come out tomorrow slash, you know, today at this point and lay an egg and this offense is just – RPO part two, I don't know. This city may shift all of their attention on him, which they should. And speaking of the Sixers, they lose last night. Obviously, you know, no buckets the last five and a half minutes. Uh, Very frustrating performance from them to close that one out. Same old song and dance with them, man. Like, And Joel Embiid, I have a feeling he's going to end up needing to get surgery. I hope not. I mean, that, like, this is – and it's it's such a big part of the problem where you have nobody who can help him out. He feels like he's got to do everything. And I know people don't like the load management, but with a guy like him, you need he needs to. It. It's, he needs it's not it. an option. Right. Like this dude, 7'2", the history of big men in the NBA, even before this style of play now, is injuries and the injuries. I mean, that that's just the reality. That That's human nature when you're that big of a human. Um, you know, Doc Rivers after the game, he didn't mean to say it negatively, but he's like, we don't have a guy we can give the ball to and get a bucket. Like he said that casually. It's true. Yeah. That's a problem. I mean, you got Danny Green shooting air ball after air ball. He stinks. I mean, I'm so over that dude. He made a couple threes in the first two possessions and that was it. He takes like, the most ridiculous shots you'll ever see. It's just <laughs> I, I will say this, man. Corkmaz is playing with some extra confidence yeah. and swagger. I that second unit, they should have never taken him out. That was the problem. Yeah. No, it, it's 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 concerning, and uh, I'm sure you'll get into that yeah. and a bunch of other stuff tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the first hour, we're having an Eagles fan on, Dylan uh, Schmanick. I probably botched his last name. Okay. But there was an article in the Inquirer and Philly Voice. He has a massive Ben Simmons tattoo. Oh. So Ooh. we're going to get him on for a few minutes and have some fun, and he's going to uh, – you know, let us know how he's feeling right now about that. All right, sounds yeah. good. Well, that's Ryan Rothstein. He's coming up next. Thanks to Dan Wilson for producing the final two hours of the show. I'll be back in tomorrow night overnight. Talk to you then right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 